Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It's September 22nd, 2023, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on X at uh, Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me, Jason at OverTheCap.com. I am joined by Nellie the Bunny, who once again has just had a treat, and so Nellie looks to be half passed out at this point in time. Uh, maybe it's a little late, so this is getting close to Nellie's bedtime as well. We'll see if uh, Nellie gets a second wind. A little bit later into the podcast here. Uh, beer of the night, we've got the Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale. Uh, let's see if we can get that on the camera there real quick. There you go. Uh, this is by far the best of the pumpkin beers. Um, at least I, I think so. Uh, some may have a different opinion on this. Uh, want to thank everyone for the beer suggestions tonight. I got a lot of them. I just kind of threw it out there on Twitter. Um, and I think somebody actually may have suggested this. But once I saw this... It never lasts too long at the couple of liquor stores by us. Usually they get this in and it goes pretty quick. So I was like, oh, I may as well get a uh, get a couple of them. Um, only thing that I didn't really care for was they didn't have it in bottles. They uh, they only had it in cans. I'd much rather get the bottle than the can. But uh, I guess in this case, beggars can't be choosers now, can they? So, uh, yeah, this is a good one, though. So if uh, you're doing the whole, you know, seasonal kind of stuff and you want to get a good pumpkin beer i mean this is in my mind this is the uh the best one that you can get so uh we're uh repping our little jet skier here a big game against patriots this week hopefully the jets will pull this one off uh gonna be quite the rainy weekend from the looks of it sounds like uh the rain might be enough to wear uh, my son's game is actually going to get canceled. Usually for the little kids, they let them play. And, you know, they're going to play in the rain. But I, I guess the storm might be so bad uh, that they may end up postponing it. Um, at first they were saying Sunday, but I was looking at the weather forecast. And I, I'm not sure if it's really going to be much better Sunday. I, I would think, if anything, it'll be worse. Now they have a turf field, so it doesn't get that, you know, that soggy um, in that trench. And they're the early game, so, I mean, maybe they'll play. I guess we'll... Uh, We'll wait and see, and then we'll see what the conditions are like for the uh, Jets this week. Obviously, they got kind of wiped out in Dallas. Um, kind of knew that was coming. You know, Dallas is a pretty good football team, and it was just a bad matchup, uh, completely a bad matchup for them. Um, now let's talk about the Jets for a minute here, and then we get into the Mahomes contract, which is the stuff that I got up on the screen already here. Uh, it, was a, it was a tough game simply because it was... A lot, at least on offense, it was a lot of what we saw last year, right? It was, you can't do anything, you can't do anything, you can't do anything. You hit a big play, you go, okay, maybe maybe something is going to click now, and then nothing clicks. Um, I thought Wilson wasn't horrific. Uh, I thought he was kind of passable with the, the game plan that they had going. And then when they really fell behind in the second half, and they kind of opened things up a little bit more, um, you know, he was pressing and he, he just kind of went back into his usual, uh, form and, you know, that, that's not really a good thing. Um, you know, I know you kind of say that, well, you know, it's kind of the point in the game where it doesn't really mean anything, but you don't want to see someone kind of revert to bad habits. It's like, yeah, you might make a bad pass. Or you might, you know, try to be a little bit more aggressive than you need to be. But in his case, it was just that reversion back into like the bad habits of, you know, holding on to the ball too long, kind of losing awareness in the pocket, and then just making some awful, awful, awful throws, um, you know, that were there. And, you know, that that was a tough one for them. Uh, 
I think one of the things that's going to be difficult is offensively, you know, you, you see it on Twitter right now, um, X. You, you see it there. You see it, um, you know, with, with a lot of the stuff uh, that people talking about the Jets. And you hear this phrase, ground and pound. And the Jets need to be ground and pound football team. Uh, they need to have Wilson manage the game. Zach Wilson is not a game manager. That's number one. That's not his skill set. It's very clear that's not going to be his skill set. Um, I don't know if there can be anything with him or not. You, know, you keep your fingers crossed that there could be something. But if there's anything with him, <clears throat> it's going to be letting him just sling the football and having to deal with the bad that comes with it. Now, unfortunately, the pocket presence is so bad, I, I don't know how much leeway you can really give him. But, you know, it is what it is. You, you're looking to, to win games and... I think that's probably your best avenue to do that uh, is is to kind of let him go out there and sling it and whatever happens, happens. And if things go that bad, you bring in somebody that can play more of that, you know, that game that is trying not to make mistakes, but at the same time being able to complete some easy passes and move the sticks and that kind of stuff. But when it comes to relying on the running game, the Jets aren't that kind of team either. You know, people look back at that 2009-2010 era team with the Jets, and they talk about that running game, and you see some of these couple of teams in the league that do that. And obviously the league is very different now than it was back then. But the thing that the Jets had at that point in time was they had a very physical offensive line. Um... 2009 group was, I think, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, Nick Mangold, Damian Woody at right tackle, Brandon Moore was probably at guard, and Alan Fanica, I think, was left guard. I mean, those are really good players, and you had a lot of continuity. Um, Mangold and Ferguson had been there since 2006. Moore was there from 2004, maybe. Uh, Woody and Fanica had both come in in 2008. So, as a group... You know, they, they had an entire year together to, you know, kind of come together and, you know, play with the guys on the team, play with their backs, just get used to everything. Um, that was a, that, that was a line that was really going to move you and they had running backs on that team in 2009-2010. Now, 2010, Fanica went out. I don't remember who were the guards in that one. Is that Dukas and Slauson, maybe? I don't, whatever it was. I don't know. But the, the other guys were still there. Um, you know, they, they had a, a system, and they had running backs there in, you know, Thomas Jones and LaDainian Tomlinson the following year. Um uh, was that, oh, I'm trying to remember who else was on there. I don't remember how much of a chance Washington was getting at that point in time. Is Jordan on those teams? I can't even remember at this point. Um, no, it was Sean Green. Sean Green. Jordan was the, the earlier grouping. Um, Green was on there. And, you know, you, you basically had a, a mix and match of guys who were kind of, you know, could take the ball and, you know, could run with it and try to, you know, gain you four yards here, three yards there, five yards here. Very steady plays, um, you know, to, to kind of move the ball. 
running behind that line. And then you could bring in the fresh legs with Green that was younger or whomever. And, you know, they might be able to get a, a big play. The Jets right now have big playbacks. You know, if you get the perfectly blocked play, they've got guys that can take it to the house. Um you know, certainly the kid they drafted last year absolutely can do that. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I'm not very high on, but I know from Minnesota even last year, that was the one thing that he could do. You give him a perfect play, he can, he can turn it on once he gets to that, uh, that second level. Um, he can get there. But in Cook's case, you know, most of the time, you're not going to get four yards, five yards, three yards, an occasional two. Dalvin Cook is probably going to give you more of one, four, negative three, no gain. And Hall might be the same way right now. I I don't know. So you you don't have that offensive line, and you don't have running backs, I think, that are suited to play that kind of system. So I I think calling for that system is is kind of pointless. Um, Defensively, yeah, I, th- I think you got to be w- a little bit worried. You know, this is two games in a row. Uh, the Jets have had a 100-yard receiver go off on them. Um, CeeDee Lamb just tore up their zone, just annihilated it. I mean, they, there was no nobody that could cover him. Um, th- whatever they were doing, he was just finding everywhere that he could be open within that. And, you know, he just he killed the Jets. Uh, the week before, Diggs had probably like 105 yards. Um, you know, Allen imploded in that game. People don't want to look at it that way, but Josh Allen completely imploded in that game and had nothing to do with, you know, this defense being this dominant whatever. Um, and that was the same this week. You know, you, you didn't really pressure Prescott that much. A couple times you did. You got some pretty bad penalty calls, one of which the league said was a, a mistake. Um, on John Franklin Myers when he uh, hit a little bit low on Prescott. He was just kind of pushed into him. Um, you know, not, not much you can do. And it wasn't like low, low to where you're, you're really, um, you know, looking to hurt the guy or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of hit. At least I didn't think so. But, uh, you know, the defense didn't do that. And, you know, you're giving up those passing yards. And, you say this all the time and people don't want to listen, or at least you don't want to listen about your own team. Getting defensive performance like the Jets got last year is very difficult to do two years in a row. There are teams that have done it. You know, the, that Jets team with Rex Ryan, the Grand and Pound team, they certainly did it 2009, 2010. Now, their 2009 unit was better than their 2010 unit, but they had better coverage in the 2010 team. Uh, Rex was also an incredible defensive coordinator. Um, you know, he, he just, he did stuff defensively that was like top tier kind of stuff when it came to scheming and game planning. Uh, I, I don't get the feeling that that's Salah's thing. You know, I said it last year when the Jets played well, it was more along the lines of my guys are better than your guys. They're going to win their matchups versus I'm doing something to confuse you. I'm doing something to create these pressures. I'm... I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I, I didn't feel like it was really that last year. So I, I think that's one of the worries that you might have this year with how the defense is going to play. Now, it's only two games in, and you know, I always say that you know you don't read 
much into two games anymore. It used to be two games, you can kind of panic a little bit. Now, the Jets got the first win, so you wouldn't be panicking right now anyway, even with uh, Rodgers out. But certainly after three games, you can start to, to sound the alarms a little bit. Four games is really where the teams, I think, kind of come into their own. So you know, we're going to see how things go this week. But if the, if the Jets... Now the the weather might prevent it, but you know if the if the Jets go out there and they have trouble covering these guys and the the Patriots who just really aren't that good, um, you know that that would be a pretty bad sign, uh, you know for how things would go. But Cowboys just had the way with the the Jets defense, um, you know this past Sunday. No idea what happened to Tony Romo. I, I mentioned this during the game. It was just like. A lot of times I don't listen to the whole Romo game. You know, I'll be in and out on a lot of the football games. And, you know, he obviously doesn't do a lot of Jets games. It was like within the first five minutes, he had three most important matchups of the game. Like, how how that quickly can you have all these important matchups, most important matchups? And none of them really made much sense. Um, you know, it was like, matchup number one, what's going to decide the game? Quinn and Williams versus Zach Martin. This is a game being quarterbacked by Zach Wilson. And you think your key of the game is the Jets' defensive tackle versus the Cowboys' guard? That's going to decide the game? So that was then changed to Zach Wilson versus himself? That that was the next one. That's essentially what it was. Can Zach Wilson play mistake-free enough in the first half to where he has the confidence in the second half to do well. Then that was followed up by the Jets' red zone defense versus the Cowboys' red zone offense. That was going to decide the game. It's like, you know, I like Romo, but I think Romo's kind of fallen into this trap where um, everything has to be like the last two or three minutes of a very exciting football game. And the majority of football games aren't that. And I, I think sometimes, I, I guess he's trying to make things sound much more important, much more epic. And it's like, it just, just let the game breathe sometimes. And it, it was, it's not that it was unlistenable. Uh, I, I've listened to broadcasts specifically in the preseason that are, you just can't listen to it. You know, you got to put the radio on or something. Uh, but this was, um, it, this was a tough listen. Let's just put it that way. It was it was a tough listen. Um, so anyway, enough about the Jets. Uh, well, let's uh, let's go on to something different here. Um, so let's go on to Mahomes, and that was the big news this week. And I think this is a real interesting one to uh, you know to look at and to break down because a lot was being made of this epic, historic, um, you know decision by the Chiefs and all this stuff, the, the the way that the details were leaking on it so quickly. Um, you know, you get down to it, it really didn't do much anything, but a really smart way of the Chiefs uh, kind of avoiding what could be a bad situation in the future. Um, Patrick Mahomes signed a contract that was just absurd years ago, um, two years ago, I guess that was in 2021. 
It averaged about $45 million a year. It was a backloaded deal. The front end of the contract averaged like 39.5. Back end of the contract averaged, um, you know, about 50, give or take a little bit. Uh, made no sense. Nobody signs contracts that long in the NFL anymore. It's always a negative for a player when you do that. There were a large number of quarterbacks in the late 90s, early 2000s that signed contracts like that, mainly because there was this big rush to be the first player to get like a $100 million contract or to be a player that topped $100 million. And then you realized you made a big mistake because you started to see these younger players making more money um, and you, you were locked into these deals and you didn't really have a way out of them. So you, you played a decade at, you know, if you were a great football player, let's say like a Brett Favre type player, you probably played a decade for about $10 million a year. And, you know, at the, the same time, you're watching other great football players. Um, you know, Peyton Manning might have been at uh, $18 million a year or something like that at the same time Favre was around 10 Now, that would have been on the back end of Favre's contract. But, you know, Eli Manning was probably at 16 Roethlisberger was... You know, probably like 13, 14, Philip Rivers might have been in that same same area. And, you know, he, he was just there on the same contract he signed back in like 2000, 2001. So Mahomes took this contract that was supposed to be a legacy contract. It's supposed to be a contract that um, gave the Chiefs the financial flexibility to be able to, you know, get this great team around them. And the bottom line was as soon as you as soon as you saw somebody who's Salary was considered too expensive uh, for Kansas City. They moved on, right? Tyree Kill. Um, you know, that's a big star player. And you would think if you sign this deal that's supposed to be a, a great help for Kansas City, um, your expectation would be that you're keeping my wide receiver on the team. Um, you know, not gonna not trading him away because he's looking for $25 million a year and you're only offering twenty. You know, whatever the number might be. So, you know, that, that should have been eye-opening there um, when it came to how little benefit that the you were really giving the team or how, how you know, little of a benefit the team was going to give you for supposedly, you know, doing this legacy-style contract. In my opinion, it was just a, it was a contract that was done by you know, legendary agent, right? Lee Steinberg, just a, a legendary figure in the NFL. Um, you know, everything with, uh, you know, the Jerry Maguire stuff and all those things. He came from that old generation. And in that old generation, that's how stuff worked. So I think there was a push for it to where it was almost like the old school and the guys that he worked with um, in his agency that are obviously much younger um, you know, and a new school sense of, okay, how do we structure this from a guaranteed perspective? How do we structure this with roster bonuses? How do we do this to, um, you know, have these cash flows go? What, what are the ways that this makes sense if you were to move on from him to where he's still going to get paid a, a very high amount of money if you were to cut him? Um, what, are, what are the different ways we can do this? But the bottom line, and this is his old contract here, this is pretty much all the new years, you know, it was just way too long. Um, 
you know, and there, there's no way around it. So everyone comes in, they're like, oh, they fixed the deal. You know, now, now it's, he's the highest paid player in the NFL. And none of that is really true. Um, but let, let's get into what they did. So this was the original structure right here. So what they did here is they bumped his P5 down for the year to the minimum, but he already got paid for a week. So his new base salary works out to $1.325 million. Roster bonus stays, workout bonus stays, because those were those were already paid out. So it's silly. We call these guarantees. This stuff, this was paid out in March. This was earned in, you know, May time frame. Um, this prorated bonus here, $12 million of this was also paid out like in March. So it's silly to call it guaranteed because it was already paid. But hey, that that's how... Uh, you know, that, that's how the, the cookie crumbles with some of these deals here. Uh, we've got, let's see, his salary jumps this year from 40.45 to 56.85, which is a, a pretty big raise, right? Um, we go here and his cap charge decreases a little bit. And I, I have a chart on that. I'll, I'll go over that in a minute. Um Cash salary the next year jumps from 37.95 to 44.5. Uh, then we go from originally what was going to be about a 42 to a 50, then a 57 and a 53. And then we get this, where you see his salary drop to 27.175, 35, 46, 48. These are all numbers that were, um, you know, that, that are low. And people looked at these and... It, it sometimes you get into the, these contracts and you can see how they have these splits here with the roster bonuses. And then when you get to 2026, we, we flip the switch, right? The roster bonus is only 10-4 and we got a high base salary. Here we have a roster bonus of 6-1 and a high base salary. So when you start looking at these things and you try to look at them without just somebody telling you whatever, and obviously, you know, most of the details when these things come out are going to come out through an agent. And everyone was saying the deal is intended to be reworked either during or after the 2026 league year. When you look at this breakdown in the contract, and we'll get into the cash comparisons as well in a minute, while teams certainly can rework it, and they might, um, you know, do it for whatever reasons, you're not going to get into, when you look at these numbers, there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. You know, what they're doing here is by not having these roster bonuses, um, you know, have big money attached to them, they're giving themselves time to basically work out something if they have to. Um, but the salaries themselves are high enough to where there's really no need to have to work out a deal. You know, there's really no need when you, you look at these numbers and you're saying, well, if you don't want to play football, you won't earn $45 million. If you don't want to play football, you won't earn $46 million, you know, in during the year itself, right? You know, the roster bonuses or whatever, they're, they're obviously big money too. But, you know, if you missed a game here just to, you know, just for example, 
you know, you, you'd miss out $2.5 million each game if you were worried about somebody holding out. Plus, you'd void a bunch of guarantees in your contract. So you've got a bunch of different things here, but there, there's nothing here or here that tells me that there's a, a reason for them to redo the deal or a, you know, a need to, to get it done. The first point in time where you, you really see something that stands out is 2028. And that's because the salary dips all the way down to $27 million. And, you know, that's probably a point in time where the money is at a, at a point where, yes, the player can hold out and it's not probably going to be as big of a deal. Um, obviously, he would have earned before that 200 and uh, what is it, $261 million in the last couple of years. So you, you've got a financial windfall behind you too, um, you know, to sit back on if, if you wanted to get to that point. Um, so, you know, that, that to me, this to me is the year where something gets done, where they probably add new years or, you know, you, you have an ability, again, if you're looking to do it, to where you can move money up. You can take money from this back end and move it up here to get these numbers back into the $50 million range. And it's like you're just deferring. Yeah, you're deferring a problem to the future, but you've got the ability to do it because you have him under contract for four years. But this would be the first point where it would make sense for him to say, look, I need another deal or we, we need to do something with this because you know the contract is just out of whack relative to anything else. But there's nothing in 2027 that you would look at and go, oh yeah, that doesn't make sense for Patrick Mahomes to be earning $53 million. Like, how do you look at that and then regurgitate out, oh yeah, the deal is meant to be redone after 2026? I, maybe the Chiefs told them that. Teams do that stuff all the time. You know, they'll offer you a low contract, you know, on a one-year deal, prove it deal, and, you know, they'll give you the line of, you know, I I, I expect three months from now, we're, we're going to be sitting at this table hammering out a big extension. You know, in the meantime, they're signing you for, like, $2 million, and they're, they're telling you that, you know. Um, so, they say stuff, but don't believe any of it. Uh, it's just silly. So what does it do with the cap? Now, this is the other thing that I didn't understand at all. The deal gets signed, and I've got Chiefs fans, you know, on Twitter or um, maybe even a couple media people saying how this helps the Chiefs, the Chiefs cap long term. What? Like, no. It does. I'm not saying it's going to hurt it, uh, but his cap next year goes up by 10.6. So they saved 2.5 this year. So you could say that it's $8 million of a worse cap situation than it was prior to this. Uh, 12.1 million cap goes up in 25. 26, the cap goes up 18.9. 2027, it drops by about 3 million. Then you get the bigger drops on the back end, the 17 drop, nine, $10 million drop, four, $5 million drop, and a $4 million drop. Um, you know, that that's the way that that goes. Now, you can probably go through these numbers here and say, okay, you know, 
they can convert, you know, for example, in this contract, uh, they would have converted this to a signing bonus. Um, you know, you would have saved about 27.92. You can do the same here. Oops, let me see. And, you know, you would save 27.92. Oh, the roster bonus is the same that's in there. But you'd have, you'd have a little bit extra money that you can save in the P5. Um, let's say you did a $7 million. You know, so you could lower it by, you know, 32, $33 million, 33.5, you know, that you could lower that by. So, you know, you, you could make up about five, six of the difference, give or take a little bit. So you, you're still in a worse spot, but not by, you know, 10 million. So, I mean, that there is that aspect to it that you do have a little bit more leeway with your restructures that you can do, um, you know, to make some things happen. Now, the cash changes. So here's where you look at. He earns an extra 16.4 this year, an extra 6.5, an extra 8, and then an extra 14.8. And then his numbers begin dropping. So you can see where they took the money from. Mainly they took the money from 2028, uh, but they took money from every year to, um, you know, change some of those numbers. Um, you know, and move that stuff forward. Let's just see. Do I have anything important here? I have no idea what this is. Let me see. Oh, this is from uh, my friend. I'll, I'll mention this here, and I'll probably try to put this on Twitter. So my buddy Brady was... Uh, um, so... Uh, he he does wrestling like commentary and stuff for the ECWA uh, wrestling, and he was named to their Hall of Fame. So that was pretty cool. I was hoping I would have gotten to go last week. Unfortunately, we had all the stuff going on with the kids and everything else. So he he just sent me a link to um, I think the little ceremony that they had for it. So congratulations to him, and hopefully I'll put that on Twitter. I've known Brady for many many years. I don't get to really see him anymore. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought that was so cool when he, he sent me that thing that he was going to go into the uh, Hall of Fame for that, for doing the announcing and, um, you know, doing the stuff that they they do with that. So that that's I think that's really cool. So I, I couldn't figure out what that was. I'm just seeing a thing that says like YouTube links or something. But then I realized what that is. So, um, you know, congratulations on that. And hopefully I'll just uh, throw that out there. So if there's any wrestling fans and you ever go to um one of these shows, they're in, I believe it's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware are the main places they promote. Um, you can check it out and he'll probably be there. And who knows, one of these days I'll uh, I'll sneak in there, maybe two. But um, anyway, back to the, uh, the Mahomes deal. So, you know, you, you get into this and you start looking at these things. God, oh, the Chiefs are going to be in a worse position, blah, 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 blah. Here is what I think made this deal great. And made it real unique and, again, gets ahead of a potential problem. Potential problem where your player is unhappy, um, where now his representation is telling him he needs to be unhappy. And you've got a lot of people talking about contracts that, you know, are going to make him feel worse about his deal, right? How many times did we hear Mike Florio in the last four or five, six months bring up the Patrick Mahomes contract? 
And, you know, th- this is probably one of the reasons why Mahomes, and I thought Mahomes did a great job in his press conference where he was asked about his contract. And, you know, he said, look, you know, I, I do want to get paid for playing football. It's not like I don't want to get paid. I want to get paid for playing football. I want to make sure that the the Chiefs, you know, that our team is able to compete. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I do want to get paid as well. And I thought one of the interesting things that he said was, you know, and I don't want my contract to hurt the other quarterbacks in the NFL. I thought that was a really good point that he made because you can become a block in the NFL based on your contract, right? That that happened for years with Aaron Rodgers. He blocked the market. Aaron Rodgers taking that contract in 2013, I think it was, for like 22.5, 23 million. That's what ruined the entire quarterback market. When we look at quarterbacks now and we go, there's no mid-tier market that exists, it's because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers created this block at the top after a team had gone and uh, done Joe Flacco for just a couple million dollars less than that. Um, You just, you created this, it was such a small area where you could fit contracts it just created this system that the NFL has not been able to move off of that anyone who's a starter with a pulse needs to get paid near the top of the market. And that's all because Aaron Rodgers took that deal. So, you know, good on Mahomes for kind of realizing that and saying, well, you know, I don't want to be a block on the market. Now, here's the other thing. Patrick Mahomes was not a block on the market. Patrick Mahomes' contract was, you know basically just looked at as useless. You know, it, it was looked at as, um, <clears throat> you know, invalid. It was looked at as, you know, the, the way that you would look at on the other side of the spectrum, you would look at a contract that's really expensive relative to the position. You go, well, that's an outlier. Like that doesn't, that contract doesn't hold weight compared to, um, you know, in any other negotiation that's going to go on in the league. It was the same thing with Mahomes' deal. Whether he knew that or not, I don't know. But what Mahomes did, what Mahomes had, was not a block on the market anymore. Once Deshaun Watson got that deal 46 and fully guaranteed, the Mahomes contract was obsolete. The Josh Allen contract was obsolete. You know, you got Kyler Murray making big money. You got Russell Wilson making big money. Uh, You've got Jalen Hurts making big money. You got Joe Burrow, Justin Over. Mahomes, it didn't matter. None of that stuff mattered at that point. So, you know, bringing this up like this fixes that. It doesn't. It had nothing to do with it. It, it was already, it never became the block that I expected it to be. In large part, I, I think because of Watson, but it, it was probably headed there anyway. You know, but... Anyway, here is what I think is really neat. And everyone is making a big deal out of the guaranteed salary on this. Now, this is a contract, and this the original one had the same thing, where you've got a portion of the contract that's injury protected. And off the top of my head, I actually don't remember what that number is. Um, I wouldn't have put it in here. I did not revalue this as a new deal. Some people are. I'm not doing that. Um I don't even remember what it is. So it's 133.7 at signing. It's probably the full 208.1 for injury. I'm going to guess that's what it is. 
And then you've just got all this stuff in here that just is a constant rolling guarantee, meaning at a certain date, it becomes fully guaranteed or injury guaranteed, and it. but it didn't have anything beforehand. Like, if he got hurt this year, like, catastrophic injury and couldn't play anymore, you know, the, these back-end guarantees that people talk about wouldn't really kick in to, to help him because he would need to be on the roster in, like, 28 or 29 or... 27, you know, at some point to earn them. So here is how the guaranteed salary breaks down in his old contract and his new contract. So at this point in time in his old contract, he had 117.3 guaranteed. In his new contract, he now has 133.7, okay? As of next year, he still will have 133.7 in this one. He'll have 120.35 in the old contract. So He's got an extra 16.4 of guarantees. He's got an extra 13.35 in guarantees. What happens when we get to 2025? On the third day of the league year, he would have had 159.25. Now he has 161.75. Difference of 2.5 million. 2026, 211.7, 214.2. Difference, 2.5 million. 2027, 266.7 million would have been earned as guarantees. 269.2 difference, 2.5 million. 2028, 311.65. This is on the total value that, that was remaining on the deal, obviously, like a running guarantee. 31415 difference, 2.5 million. I don't need to go through them all. You can see this here. What is the difference each year? 2.5 million. Why is this difference running cash 2.5 million? Well, that actually gets up to this point here. Uh, the total in the original contract was 414.55. Total in the new contract is 417.05. It's not new money. What they did is they, they took out an incentive that he had for 2023. Uh, it was counting on the salary cap. So the, this was a way for them to kind of knock it out from the charge. They got rid of it. Um, it was an incentive that he earned for winning the MVP last year. It was an incentive that he earned for um, winning the AFC conference title. And, you know, they, they won the Super Bowl. So... Um, while that was actually paid out last year, they basically covered it and said, okay, we're willing to just give you this incentive this year um, as if you earned it, even though you haven't won any of those things this year. At least I believe that's what happened. Uh, it's possible that maybe they thought this would get revalued. And may maybe it has. Um, maybe the, the Players Association is revaluing this at this divided by how many years is this? Nine remaining years, right? Let me see what that works out to be. Yeah, 46.4. That's probably what they're doing. Um, you know, that that extra 2.5 is enough to to get it revalued as a new contract versus the existing um, $45 million a year deal. I'm not, again, I'm not doing it for that. That's the only reason you see this guarantee change. Now, the NFL requires, at least as far as I know, um, for you to put guarantees that are at the beginning of a league year um, or thereabouts into escrow. So really wh when you look at this and, you know, obviously they're paying him more cash in these years, right? 16, four, six, five, eight, 14, eight. Really what they're doing is they're taking a lot of the money that was already going to be in escrow. And instead of being in escrow, they're going to transfer it to Mahomes. And I think that's a really creative way to, again, just make certain there's no problems that exist in the future. He's the best player in the NFL. 
He's the reason that the team is as good as they are. Um, so it, it just, it really doesn't impact you at all. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really change much because in the original contract, he already had his 23, 24, and 25 salaries, I think. Maybe the 25 roster bonus. Let me see. I did these as a formula. So the old contract already had this stuff all guaranteed. And the 38.9. So this was your future guarantees that I believe should have been in some type of escrow here. Um, you know, so you, you would have been looking at... Uh, what would it have been? So it would have been... Whoops. Let's see. Let me pull those up. It would have been the 34.9, 38.9, the workout, and the P5. I think that's everything. So it would have been 76.85 that you would have had there. And in his new deal, um, you have all this stuff that's fully guaranteed. So, you know, your escrow in that. Let's see what that is. Whoops. Let's see what that is. This one. This and this, right? Escrow is 82. So, you know, you, you're not again you know your overall that you're going to be at is not super significant um you know for for what you have with that and then each year it's going to get a little better right this one doesn't change this one you know only go uh, this one would have gone up by a little bit um you know and then eventually they catch up to one another so whoops let's bring those back up so you know a lot of what they did is just shifting where one goes, um, you know, one set goes, and then where the other set goes. So, you know, I, I thought that that was a, a real kind of unique way for them to, you know, to handle it and to, to come up with this contract that, you know, everybody talks about as having these massive guarantees and, you know, is just, you know, huge money and all that stuff. And the reality is, it's just very minimal changes you know in the grand scheme of things there's very little change for kansas city kansas city still has the same exact outs in the contract um they it's you know it's a very hard contract to get out of but why would right now why would you want to get out of it you know obviously you know the guy's so good um it would really just be at a point where if the team got to the point where it stinks and the player wants out it's more along those lines um you know, but you still have, or if, you know, he had a serious injury, same exact outs that you had before. Um, now, what did they, what did the Chiefs get in return for this? Uh, so the Chiefs did get some concessions in this and it's more, I, I it's more concessions for cap management. Um, I think than anything else now, they already had... Um, these void years that are here now. I'll just talk about the void years for a minute, even though this is not a concession for this particular one. 
this is a pretty unique thing. So obviously the, these numbers are here for the purpose of, um, you know, converting money to a signing bonus, right? Because you can get five years pro, uh, proration. One, two, three, four, five. So it'll be money starting in 20, I'm sorry, in uh, 2028. This was really more for this deal. Um, you know, because you had more salary that you could convert in 2028 where you had the big 44, 45 cash. Um, you know, now that's that's dropped down to 27. Um, but, you know, you, you could get that into those five years and then in 29 you'd have these five years. But these void years actually void uh, the last day of 2029. And that that's actually something that's there, uh, I think at least, um, to try to facilitate an extension. Because what happens is if you do have money that's prorated in here, it actually kicks back onto your cap um, in through here and increases those cap charges that he would have um, you know, in those final two years which in this contract would have, you know, been pretty big, right? Those cap charges would have gone up, uh, depending on how much they would have converted, you know, possibly pretty significantly. Here, the cap charges still go up, uh, but the baseline is lower if, you know, somehow they got to those years without having to redo them. So that that's really the purposes of those. Um, from a pure financial standpoint, the basic things that they got first of all is your incentives are a little bit different than what was in the prior contract um sorry i had to jump up there for a second uh you know the the incentives here basically what they did is you took incentives that used to be 1.25 million per, per year if you won the NFL MVP and another 1.25 million per year if you won the conference championship, all right? And those are gonna be valid in all these years. So that would be uh, 2.5 times, what was that, nine years? Impossible. Um, no, that can't be right. It should be lower than that. I, I, they, they may have had a limit as to how many times you could get that. I, I got to go back and um, look and see if that if those numbers are right or not. Because I feel like it should have been a lower number than that. Um, let me see if I have something written down. Let me just see here. Uh, let's see. Contracts. Where do I want to go here? Let me see if I have his um, stuff up. I'm not sure if I do. Oh no, okay, maybe that's right. Yeah, he did have 25 million in incentives. Um, yeah, okay, so no, it, that, those numbers are right. So it was 2.5 million per year, um, you know, that he could have gotten over that, uh, whatever that was, nine years left. So 22.5 was still remaining in uh, possible things. I don't know why I was thinking it was lower. Um, I don't think this one is either. So in this one, what they did is instead of being incentives, um, all right, let, let me just get to the criteria first. So the first thing is they made them harder to earn. So they went from 1.25 for NFL MVP, 1.25 for conference championship win to one point. Um, 
1.25 million per year for a Super Bowl win instead of a conference championship win, and 1.25 million per year for an MVP and a conference championship win. So it's not just getting the MVP, it's the MVP and the conference championship. Um, so those are the two criteria where you can hit it. Now, these are escalators, meaning if you earn it in 2023, it escalates 24. If you earn 24, it escalates 25. So you can earn in 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31. So that's eight years worth. So th this is one of the reasons why they, they took that out. So that's eight, uh, what is it? Eight times 2.5 million. You know, so it's 20 million total. So that that's where that 2.5 that I mentioned before that they just kind of threw him that in there because, you know, he's losing a year, um, you know, that was kind of incentivized. Uh, really, it's the last year of the contract, but he's losing that. So that helps them. Um, number two, they're escalators versus incentives. So that helps them in a sense with the cap because these incentives that are here, they, they just count on the cap if they're earned, right? You, you, you basically pay, um, you know, you, in 2022, for example, here in the full two five and they didn't, I don't believe they counted on the cap that year. Um, I have to look back, maybe, maybe half of them did, but let, let's just for the sake of argument, say they didn't. Uh, that would actually be a negative five million for the Chiefs in a given year because the two five would count in full on the cap. You can't do anything with it; it just sits there. You would have to take the incentive out or modify the incentive to not count by putting some kind of crazy qualifier in there, which is very hard to do when you won a Super Bowl the, the prior year. Um, you know, it's hard to put a team qualifier in there that makes sense for a player to take. So you get stuck with a two five million dollar charge. Plus, you took an adjustment on your salary cap from earning it the year before of a negative 2.5. So again, your total impact is going to be 5 million. What they did here was they turn him into escalators. So his P5 in this year would jump from 8.6 to 11.1. So why is that a bigger deal? So number one, there's no adjustment that occurs from it uh, because it's not something that you, know, you earned and weren't charged for the prior year. You either just earn it or you don't earn it. Um, now that it's rolled into your P5, you can take that and you can prorate it. You can easily convert it to a signing bonus and prorate it. Um, now, I don't know if he earns these if they're guaranteed. Um, they might be. I, I'm not I'm not 100% certain. Uh, and again, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter uh, when you're talking about a player like this. But in theory, incentives once earned are yours to keep. Uh, incentives that are escalators that just add on to your salary the next year, they're not yours to keep. You know, that that's similar like the proven performance escalators or something like that that I complain about that, you know, you, you get this money added onto your contract and the team doesn't have to pay you a dime of it and then they just give you a pay cut. So, you know, the, the same would hold true here. That was certainly a concession, I, I think, that was given up by his side um, you know, in doing the deal. The second one, which it's not the the biggest of deals here, but it, it deals with the timing of these roster bonuses. In his prior contract, all these roster bonuses that he had here, all these big numbers, um, 
I believe were earned on the third day of the league year. So that gave the Chiefs two days, um, you know, basically to convert to a signing bonus. And obviously you had time the, you know, the, the month prior. Um, but, you know, you, you, you don't have time to kind of figure out what you want to do with those roster bonuses, what you want to do with your cap, because some teams operate in a way, and I think the Chiefs are one of these teams, where they kind of will try to f- operate based on what they need in the moment. Um, you know, versus overdoing it. And, you know, I, I don't think they ever really wanted to overdo his contract. So, you know, th- this is a this is a way that you, you know, you certainly don't overdo it, um, you know, is by holding off on converting some of the money. But, you know, they had salary cap problems this year. You know, they, they were problems isn't the right word, but they were they were tight against the salary cap. But they couldn't touch this money because it was early in the season everything was earned so they converted 12 million of it which is what they needed at the time and you know they they couldn't go back and change it again because this this was already paid out and um couldn't count on the cap or you couldn't modify the way it counted on the cap anymore so here these roster bonuses now are all due in may so what that does is that gives Kansas City the ability to wait until after the draft, um, you know, to, to make that determination as to whether or not they want to convert any of the bonus money to a signing bonus and prorate it. And, you know, that means you have all the free agency versus having to make the decision before free agency. Uh, you have trade time in the draft where maybe you're going to trade a draft pick for a veteran player. You need to create cap space. Now you have the ability to do that with some pretty big signing uh, roster bonuses on the front end of this. You know, 35 and 32. Um, you know, it's much less here uh, than it was prior. So it gives them, you know, more salary cap flexibility when it comes to that stuff. And, you know, I had already mentioned about these years here where, you know, they, they took a contract that was very heavy roster bonus offseason, and now they've turned it into very heavy paragraph five in-season versus roster bonus offseason. Um, you know, and that changes the timing of payments as well. So, you know, even though the, the salaries are there and the, the money might be bigger up front, you know, again, you go to these guaranteed charts and you get into the actual payments of these things, um, you know, where this is going to be paid over, I think it's 36 weeks now versus, you know, basically probably having a roster bonus, maybe two payments. I, I don't I don't know the payment schedules on them. Um, I could probably figure it out, but I didn't really look and pay that kind of attention. But, you know, roster bonus is probably going to be paid in full and two payments, three payments, four payments in the course of a year or something like that. Um, you know, and this is 36 weeks, so you can extend this. So, you know, that, that's, that's something that operates in the Chiefs' favor as well um, with the timing that probably occurs here uh, versus what happens with that here. Um, workout bonuses, they increased. Obviously, you actually have to earn them even though they're guaranteed. you got to show up for them. So they, they moved a little bit more money into these. Uh, just, you know, again, I don't think he's ever missed any of the workouts. just a it's just a way to cover yourself um in there um you know the the other thing with this deal 
I think when you get into this and you get into the cash comparisons, and this is some of the stuff that people are bringing up. And let me move this up because I hate the little blank spaces. Um, you know, people were bringing up a lot about how you came up with this 2081. And th this is very clearly why. And this was the selling point. It was, okay, what's the what's the biggest contract in the league? Lamar Jackson is going to make $208 million in, you know, I don't know why that's in currency. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's change that. All right, there we go. Um, you know, they, that's the big deal was, well, the value of Lamar Jackson's contract is 208 over 4, 260 over 5. And this is what I get into when I, I talk about the, the contract comparisons. You know, when, when you look at players and you start looking at, okay, well, when we, what are these players who sign these contracts where, yes, their annual contract value is higher than the other player, but sometimes the, the cash on the front end of it is not higher. Sometimes it's lower. Sometimes it's only moderately higher. And that's kind of what you have here, right? Mahomes trails Jackson by a lot, 56.85 to 80, 101.35 to 1.125, 151 to 156. But now you get into 26.27. We've got Mahomes at 208.1 versus 208 for Jackson, then 261 versus 260. And again, this is another reason why I wouldn't look at this 208-1 through 2026 and go, oh, now it must be re renegotiated because clearly the 2027 payment was in mind, you know, they kept in mind, um, you know, how much salary has to be there in 2027 to say he will earn more than Lamar Jackson. And that's where the numbers came in. Now, you look at Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow, even though his new money is much higher than Mahomes and the numbers are much, much higher, we're just dealing with cash, um, just the cash flow on a contract because that's the, that's the big deal that was being made um, publicly. And I, I have a feeling that was the big deal that was being made behind the scenes when they were negotiating this contract. Now let's look at Burrow. Burrow, 45-5, Now, let, let me just bring up Burrow's... Um, let me bring up Burrow's actual new money here. One second, Joe Burrow. So if you look at Joe Burrow's new money, it's... 76 2, 115, 146, 7, 183. He'd be at 224 through year four um, versus 208, 1 and 208. So clearly, that this is again why I'm getting into the fact that they're not uh, caring about new money. It's just what's the cash being paid out. And this, again, is where we get into things being, in my mind, kind of really creative, really genius, really smart by Kansas City. Um, you know, we, we've set a benchmark, right? We're, we're negotiating. We might be working with a, a different agent this time as the lead. Um, this is what we're looking at right here, right? We're, we're comparing these years. And Jackson's contract obviously, you know, runs out. And maybe that could throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into things. 
will depend on how he's playing and everything else. Um, but let's let's look at Burrow as a comparison. Burrow as a comparison here, you know, he, you know, I'll just pull these up. So he trails here, trails here, trails here, trails here. He does have the one year where he does come up over. Trails here and trails here. And, you know, th this is, you know, enough money that he trails by. 28-6, 13-1. You know, you can see the numbers. So it's 11-3 uh, over for Mahomes. Then Mahomes is 9-9 nine, nine under. 4-8 over. 26-3-4 over. 42 over. 28-6-6-5 over. 13-1 over. And again, they're dealing with a five-year bucket. Um, but even if we get into these years, he's still the highest paid player. And this is one of the reasons why I say this is genius for him is this contract for Lamar Jackson is incredibly unique. Why? Lamar Jackson made it to free agency. So Lamar Jackson does not have to deal with the concept of the new money versus the total money in a contract. He's just negotiating a annual contract value based on the market. Um, he doesn't have to honor any kind of existing deal. Joe Burrow does. Justin Herbert did. Um, odds are any player who's coming up for an extension in the next couple of years will have to honor that. Very rarely do players make it to free agency at this position. So let's say Trevor Lawrence earns $60 million a year. All right. Let, let's say that, um, and I, I don't know if he will, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I think the jury is still out as to what that is. Let, let's just say he gets a, um, I mean, that'd be about a 10% increase. Let, let's just say it's a, it's even more than that. Let's just see what those numbers work out. Let, let's just say they, um, you know, they, they went all out. And they said, you know, all right, we will, uh, we'll be willing to do that. We'll, we'll do the same exact deal, 15% more. You know, we've all, we're only a little bit above at that point in time, um, you know, where Mahomes is going to be. And that's with an incredibly aggressive raise. Uh, let's say it was 10%, which is probably a little bit even that might not be, even that might be pushing it a little much. You know, Mahomes would still be over him through 2028. So again, let's say that the, the point comes up, the topic comes up about salaries. You know, again, you, you can go back in time, um, you know, and you can say, well, look, if, if we look at the one, two, three, four, five, six year span for Trevor Lawrence, you're still ahead of him by three million, and if we we actually end up aligning this by when the deals happen, which would be you know uh, he's extension eligible next year, so you would have a one year delay. I'll even do the fifteen percent. You know his contract would start at that point in twenty twenty four, where he starts making money, and what do you have? Over the same periods of time, you know, you're going to look at this again and you're going to go, well, you know, here, you know, he had earned something in 2023. 
but you're going to drop back to that and you're going to go, well, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're pretty good over him, you know, over 2023 to 2028. So, you know, depending on how you want to look at these deals, you're probably going to have some leeway if you're Kansas City, even if you get into that 2028 year to where you're probably not having to deal with a contract market that is significantly increased because, again, we're talking about everybody else in the market going off new money and only one player being valued as a free agent. Now, maybe Dak Prescott would be the guy. Kirk Cousins isn't going to get this kind of salary, I don't think at least. Um, so I think it'd be Dak would be the, the one guy that could throw a monkey wrench if Dallas goes down that path again. Um, you know, but I, I think that again, this, this kind of discussion is really smart. And, and then the other thing again, where you talk about setting parameters for the future, assuming it's same agents and everything else, even though we have these numbers that are low. We say, well, we're going to have to, you know, obviously add on to them and everything else. Depending on when you sign the deal, if you do it in 2027 or whatever, you have a framework that's in there now that he just wants to earn the most amount of money over a four-year period, a five-year period. Um, so you can take whomever is the top of the market and say that's Trevor Lawrence. And that probably gives you a baseline as to how you have to structure your contract from a cash perspective. And, you know, you could probably do a deal longer term again on the, you know, what would be his final contract. That would probably be pretty reasonable for how great a player he is. And there's no reason to think he's not going to be a great player, you know, on the back end of this deal and into another contract. There's, there's no reason not to. Um so you know, they have a lot of leeway with this. Uh, they, they still have the ability to franchise tag him. And th this is the other thing to notice here. His cap charge in his franchise tag year will be lower. Now, I don't know what the tag number will be by then. It might be higher than this. But, you know, you get that 20% raise. Um, you know, his franchise tag at worst case scenario would be 58 on this deal. On his other contract, it would have been... Oh, and I've, I've got the wrong number in there. 6294. Uh, but that's actually wrong. I gotta I gotta take out the workout bonus. So it would have been 62.8 on that one. And on the new one, it would be because I think they have to dump those back in. Fifty-seven eight five, so they save themselves money on the franchise tag as well. Um, if things were to get there uh, again, I can't imagine that they would ever get there. But if they did, uh, they save themselves money. As far as things go, and trying to find a win-win, th this was—I thought this was just a great job by Kansas City. Um, I think they put themselves in a good position, maybe a better position on the back end of the contract. Guarantees really don't change um, at all. because And who even cares about these front-end guarantees? He's not going anywhere, right? He's not going anywhere. Um, 
You don't make a material change in your dead money if you trade. Yeah, there's the no trade, but whatever. Um, you gave yourself more salary cap flexibility with your roster bonuses. You gave yourself more salary cap flexibility by having escalators versus incentives. You made those incentives harder to earn. Um, and in return, you basically kind of took money out of escrow in the front end of it, pushed it to him, maybe end up with a little bit more here and there. You know, you're, you're in a little bit worse of a ca uh, cash situation. Very quickly, it's going to balance out. Um, in terms of what you might owe and where you've got to put money versus what goes to the player. Um, I I just think this was a great job. I, I don't anticipate many other contracts coming to this situation simply because nobody else is going to take a, a contract that runs this long. Um, at least I don't, I don't think they would. But, uh, you know, as far as doing a deal, I mean, I, I think this is just a, a really good thing. I I don't look at this as like a historic anything. I just look at this as a pretty smart job by Kansas City. And I think structurally, um, I think it's pretty good. You know, I think they can get their cap charges, even though they're higher in the short term. I think through restructures, they can probably get them close to a similar level. Uh, and, you know, in the future, I could always run through those numbers to see year, year over year. Um, what that would do, I, I probably could just do it on the calculators on the site and just keep restructure, 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 um, you know, to see where those numbers would go. But I don't think they'll be in that much of a worse position. And I think they've set themselves up fine for the future for whenever they have to do another uh, negotiation. So this to me is a, uh, a really good one. Um, I think this is one that people should look at, people should study a little bit. But don't just get caught up in, wow, it's massive. 133.7 guaranteed, 208.1 guaranteed for injury, four-year, 208.1 running cash. And then, hey, they'll, they'll do a new deal after that. There's so much more to this. It's just such a, such a unique little deal. Uh, little. <laughs> um, you know, kind of restructure or whatever. Uh, I, I just found this to be a, um, a really good one um, that was done. And so... You know, I, I give a lot of credit to the Chiefs on this one, um, even though the most of the credit is probably going outside of the Chiefs and going towards, you know, Mahomes' side for getting the Chiefs to reopen the deal. I, I don't know. I, I just think this is a uh, just a really smart move by Kansas City, uh, just to get ahead of this whole possibility. Um, you know, something get worse, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to impact them whatsoever. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, a little, little bit more on the cap up front, but really not going to hurt him whatsoever. Um, that went on for a while. <laughs> you know, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit today was San Francisco. Um, you know, they, they extended their coach, the GM. Uh, I think everybody knew that was kind of coming, uh, waited until after the game, waited until after the dust settled from the Trey Lance stuff and everything else. Um, a lot of discussion I've seen online and even on TV a uh, bunch of different articles about uh, their quarterback Brock Purdy you know how good is he how bad is he um, I think the answer right now with him is he's a capable quarterback um, you know we talk about a game manager he could probably manage a game at the moment uh, players like that can be exposed come playoff time 
you know, when, when you get deeper into, you know, the performance of a player like that, you know, there are, at the moment, there's limitations to what he can do. And, um, you know, you see that come up a lot more when your competition gets tougher than playing teams like the Giants and the Steelers. But you've also created an, an environment where he does have a chance and an ability and a time to develop. So, you know, I, I always like to bring up the Tom Brady stuff from before, only because the Tom Brady that won those first couple of Super Bowls was not the same Tom Brady that became the Hall of Fame level quarterback. Um, Tom Brady, 2001, 2002, even 2003, was not a great quarterback. Um, New England had a great team. They had great pieces on defense. They had a great scheme. They had great pieces around him. And that, again, wasn't to say that he was bad. Um, it was just at the time you had viable discussions. Well, who's better, Tom Brady or Chad Pennington? Now that sounds laughable, right? But back then, those were the kind of discussions, you know? And that was the era where really things started to go, I think, a little bit overboard about, you know, well, he just wins. And you saw today, I think it was Florio that put out, um, you know, if San Francisco gets the number one seed, is Purdy going to be MVP? Now, at the same time, the other the other night, was it last night, that he did the, the uh, Purdy just doesn't sound like a name of a franchise? Like, it was just silly. You know, that that's that's silliness. Um, you know, but, you know, it's like, well, then he should be MVP. And this is, again, going back to that stuff, this is where we get overwhelmed with the, well, he just wins concept. And really, it goes back to the Brady and Manning, the first part of their, you know, rivalry, where Brady's teams were constantly coming out on top. And statistically, you could not make an argument that Brady was even remotely in the class of Peyton Manning, but Brady's teams were constantly winning. They were, they were, they owned the Colts. I mean, they 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 just slapped them around. Um, so at that point in time, you started to get into this concept of. Well, you know, it's those Super Bowl rings. Then you had the Super Bowl MVPs and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it changed the narrative. And I think the way that we looked at quarterbacks, you know, when we when we looked back at those quarterbacks from the 80s that won the Super Bowls, right? Jim McMahon was 85. Phil Simms was 86. Um, 87 was probably Mark Rippon. Then you had the Montanas back-to-back. Then you had Hostetler. Uh, Doug Williams was 91. Um, so, you know, you, you had, um, you had all these quarterbacks that clearly you didn't, you didn't try to make an argument that Phil Simms was better than Dan Marino. Like it, that would just be stupid. Um, you know, and I, I understand where Sims looks at things now, and you know Phil Sims probably feels deservedly so that he should be in the Hall of Fame based on the fact that he won a Super Bowl, 
And his numbers were probably as good as some of the numbers of the guys that maybe got in that are kind of from that era. And what hurt him was the fact that he got injured in the year that Hostetler won the Super Bowl. Because if Phil Simms got that second Super Bowl under his belt, he's like, man, I should have been a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, and I, and I can understand that logic, especially with the way that the game has gone now. course that we have on quarterbacks about the whole concept of, you know, well, they just win or, you know, it's a, it's the winning concept that, you know, makes things really important. You know, the, the truth on it lies somewhere in between and people shouldn't get upset when people say, you know, Purdy might not be a great quarterback. Um, but I think he can be open-minded enough to say that, okay, he's going to have the ability to possibly develop. But San Francisco... Let me just pull this up here. And I probably should have done these with the NFL averages, but I didn't uh, mark it up, and I know we don't have them here. Um, so this was how they compared to the Giants, you know, from a salary allocation standpoint. Oh, I forgot. I have a screw-up on this. I need to... I think Nick may have changed the... Um, I'll just put it in here. I probably just have to get a new style sheet for it. It'll work fine here. So this is our position allocation. This is the stuff that I uh, pop up every week. Um, so you can see they have a big spend at running back, big spend at wide receiver, pretty big at tight end. Giants are big at tight end too. Um, let's see what these are for. I don't know why we're getting those lines in there. Pretty big spend offensive line, pretty big spend interior defensive line, even though the Giants are higher. Giants spend at edge. Giants spend at linebacker. They don't spend on safety. Moderate spending at corner. Um, you know, looking more at a system level there. But look at this gap. This is what the Giants spend on their quarterback room. This is what the 49ers spend on the quarterback room. And my guess is outside of, you know, a couple of teams that are just throwing rookies out there, like, you know, a team like the, uh, the Bears, who are... I don't even know what to say about Chicago right now. You know, they're they're in that position. You know, when they, they play against most other teams, you know, you, you can see these giant gaps that are going to exist that are there. Seahawks even. Rams. Yeah, I don't know why we're getting those stripes. Unless Nick has something for players on IR, that might be what it is. Nope. And in fact, it does. That might have just been added in. I don't think that was there before. Um, you know, Buccaneers probably have a lower cost quarterback room. Um, let's see who else. Cardinals, you know, much higher. But even though most of it's on IR, that's a that's actually a pretty cool ad. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know Nick put that there. That may have been there before, and I didn't notice it. But I have a feeling that's new, and that's why my uh, style sheet's not updating on that. Um, but anyway, you can see this giant gap. And when you have these really cheap quarterbacks, and this is this is the equivalent of what went on what went on in Dallas when Dallas had Dak Prescott under his rookie contract, that he was just dirt cheap. Um, you know, it gives you an ability to build a potentially special team you know, around that player, um, you know, in dead money wise, unlike Dallas, Dallas needed Dak to get out from some bad stuff. 
San Francisco's in an okay position, right? They're they're around average with twenty eight million in dead money, um, you know. So not not awesome, but not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, um, you know. So that they're able to build this really kind of unique team, you know, around him. You know, you get good skill position players at running back, receiver, tight end. You get a good offensive line. You have a good defensive line. You have great linebackers. And, you know, you, you're kind of a system back end um, with the way that you play defense. So that can cover sometimes for a lot of deficiencies the quarterback might have or, you know, him learning. It's very similar, I think, in that that regard to the Brady situation. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that's going to be interesting with San Francisco and this goes for a lot of teams. So if we get into the whole Purdy just wins, you know, kind of argument, at some point he's going to go, well, I just win. That means I just need to be paid. And at that point, you know, if we bring up the Giants again here, and I would imagine that he would earn more than, well, yeah, Daniel Jones has a better pedigree, which still goes a long way, you know, if he earns around what Daniel Jones earns, this no, this bar jumps all the way up to here. So if we're increasing by thirty-five million or so, um, you have to decrease somewhere. At least in the long term, maybe in the short term, you you can do some stuff. But, you know, you're not going to have your great linebackers. You're not going to have your great pass rushers or your great interior players. Um, you know, you, you're going to have to rely then more on the quarterback. So the quarterback at that point has to actually play at a higher level because he has to make up for your shortcomings on the roster. They've done a tremendous job of building this roster um, around him. And I think one of the one of the worst things that I heard in the the game I, I watched half of the game um, yesterday. I watched until halftime, and then pretty much if it's not the Jets, I'm not going to stay up to watch the whole thing. I get up, I play basketball around six. Um, today I actually went and lifted afterwards. I, I hadn't done like anything even remotely heavy in a while, so I'm actually pretty sore. I did deadlifting today, and I haven't done that in a while. I didn't even go that heavy, and I'm pretty sore. Um, from it but we'll see because uh, I, I want to get back to do it. i just haven't had the time in the last uh couple of weeks my schedule has been a little bit off so i just kind of really hadn't done any heavy lifting in probably a good uh, probably almost two months now um so doing even remotely heavy today has got me pretty sore but um you know i'm listening to the game and al michaels starts talking about the trey lance stuff and you know he talks about how um, <clears throat> you know, they, they gave up a lot of draft capital and they got a player here who, you know, isn't even on the roster. And, you know, then he made the point, and it was just a passing comment, you know, but as the Rams proved, you don't need draft picks to be successful and win a Super Bowl in the NFL. And it's like, what? Like, why? I don't even know how you, you would equate the two things. Um, you know, and th this is, I, I can already see this being an issue where people are going to say, well, they got Purdy, so even though Lance didn't work out, they got a quarterback. So the difference, and even if we get into the Rams thing, 
the Rams get yeah, the Rams F them picks, don't use those picks, all that stuff. That's that's absolutely true. But the Rams not using that stuff or not having those picks, it's not like the Rams didn't get anything in return. Right? The Rams use those picks to bring in proven players. Now there's no guarantee those proven players are going to work out. In the Rams case, it helped win the Super Bowl, right? Those picks were used for Jalen Ramsey. Those picks were used for Von Miller. Those picks were used for Matthew Stafford. So, yeah, F them picks. We we don't believe in the young talent or we're not going to develop the young players right at this moment. We're, we're going to look at, um, you know, using veteran talent. That's, that's what they use those picks for. San Francisco used those picks for nothing. San Francisco traded away three first-rounders and a two and whatever else to get back a four. Because Trey Lance has a value of nothing. So the impact that comes to San Francisco, and I think I've talked about this before here. If not here, I've certainly mentioned it on Twitter before. The impact that comes to San Francisco isn't so much, you know, the 2022 or even the 2023 league year. It's more what happens in 24-25 when those picks that you would have had would be developing at that point into starters. Now, they may do well enough on the back end of these drafts to where you say, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're making up for it because they're finding talent elsewhere in the draft. But typically, you know, e- even though so many picks at the top of the draft bust, right, a lot of picks bust, the NFL still does a pretty good job of identifying talent. You know, on average, your top picks are more productive than your second round picks. Second round picks are more productive than your third round. Third is more productive than the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and so on. So while the NFL has not figured out whatsoever how you identify bus, the general criteria that they use for identifying draft picks does work out. Yeah, there's guys who slip through the cracks, but in general, um, you know, guys drafted in the first round are really good players. Players drafted in the second round and third round are pretty good players. Um, so when you don't have those picks at all, you're losing you know access to what would be pretty good cheap players. And if you have a quarterback that ends up looking like the Giants, you know you start to say, well, where do you cut corners? And you look at a team like the Giants. And the Giants, for example, you know, running back spend way lower than San Francisco. Now, I'm not going to care about that, but it is much lower, even though they have a Barkley on the team. Wide receiver spending, clearly much lower. Tight end spending is about the same. Offensive line's a little higher. Interior's a little higher. Edge is like a gigantic gap. So the Giants have been able to spend a little bit more here and here lose out a pretty good amount on the receiver and giant amounts on the edge, giant amounts on the line. And a linebacker's position, I don't care about that much either. But, you know, you're giving up a lot in the edge. Um, You know, you're giving up a lot on wide receiver. Those are two very important positions in the NFL. And, you know, 
when you get into long-term, short-term, that interior defensive line spending eventually is going to drop because, you know, the, now Leonard Williams is not worth what they're paying him for. I have no idea why he's there on that contract right now, but, um, you know, or at least at that number. But this number, once Leonard Williams is gone, is going to drop by like $20 million. You know, it's going to bring it down to here. So imagine if you took San Francisco and you got to drop this to here, this to here, this to here. Now, obviously, you've got Nick Bosa already under contract, so you're going to have to choose somewhere else. You know, now Kittle's probably starting ready to break down. Drop here, drop here, drop here. You know, you, you change the whole makeup of the team to make up for the, the fact that this quarterback that was dirt cheap is now looking for a bunch of money because, well, he just wins. Um, so, you know, as a team, you got to be prepared to move on. None of the teams will. None of the teams do. They don't have the, the stomach for it. Um, you know, but I think it's going to be a real interesting thing to watch because it's not really going to be a team that's got that young talent in theory you know, coming up to to kind of cover for these guys as they age. And if you do get the quarterback salary that jumps up, you're not going to be able to go out and sign players like a Javon Hargrave or Trent Williams, you know, and bring those guys in and say, all right, you know, you're the perfect veteran addition to our football team. You're not going to be able to do that. So I think I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what Lynch and Shanahan can kind of come up with long term, but I, I think with Purdy, I mean, you, you be cautiously optimistic, but I don't think you can look at him right now and go, okay, yeah, once they get into playing all better teams, like it's a lock that he's just going to keep winning. Maybe, um, you know, but I, I think it's pretty pre- premature to say it, but I think it'll be a really nice case study in. Um, in a sense, trying to build like a modern day New England, um, you know, from the the early days of, uh, you know, what they did with uh, with Brady. All right, let's get on to our Twitter questions. I was going to talk about teams this week, but it's already going too long. So um, I don't think I have anything email. Let's see. Let me check on the phone here. I'll check that, then I'll go grab another drink, and then we'll do Twitter questions. Let's see. I don't think there's any email questions here. No, I think the other stuff was all things that I answered. So, all right, let me grab another one, and um, then I'll jump back on the uh, the podcast here. All right. Let's uh, start taking a look here. All right. So let's pull up the Twitter. All right. One of these days, I promise, I will do a, uh, like a live Twitter cast or whatever to do some of these questions oh whoops that's the wrong one that was the beer suggestions uh once again thank everybody who um did that uh, you know what let me just repost this one just in case we've got some late night people since we're midnight east coast here 
West Coast doesn't get to chime in as much. All right, here we go. Vin, how bad is the Daniel Jones contract? Any perspective that can be put into how did the Giants not let him play on the tag? That's a great question. So last week, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, last week I um, put out on the um, on Twitter X whatever uh, during the game when the Giants were getting beat up on by the Cardinals, just presented without no comment. You know, Daniel Jones has a forty-seven million dollar cap hit next year. Um, or whatever the number is. I mean, I can look it up. Let's see. Whatever the number is. Yeah, 47-1. Which, of course, got a lot of comments, good and bad. And then he goes out and has a tremendous second half. Uh, valuation, we had him as the top quarterback in the league last week because of the what he did in that second half, basically. Um, you know, played great. Uh a lot of people came back on Twitter. You guys don't know anything. You're idiots. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I made a comment to Brad, which, you know, I'll talk about here, too, with the same thing where, you know, it was just an odd decision to extend him the way they did. People like, yeah, it really looks odd, doesn't it? It's like, well, where are you guys all right now after Thursday? You know, another one of those 130-yard passing performance kind of games. Um, you know, it, it's... So... You know, the, the way that I would look at this here, um, you know, it, it's 82 million bucks over two years, uh, which is a little bit more, obviously, than the if they were going to tag him probably twice. Um, I don't remember what the franchise tag was this year. Uh, let's see. They have those in here somewhere, right? Trends. I know I have the tenders here somewhere. Contract tenders. Nope, contract triggers. I don't want that. Um, why am I not finding it? Tender projections. There we go. Whoops. I mean to open a new window, but there we go. So he would have been 32-4. Um... You know, so you, you would have had him for you know seventy one point two eight. Um, you know, if you had to go the tag route, obviously your your cap situation would have been worse, and the Giants' cap situation is not very good. Um, you know, to begin with, um, so th this lets them kind of take the costs a little bit differently. Um, you know, but they guaranteed him 81.5. You know, it's it's not a good it's not a good deal. Um, and I, I don't just say this in hindsight. I mean, it was I I didn't think when they signed it it made a lot of sense. I mean, you, you the decision making process here. You know, you, you go back to last year, right? They they had the option to pick up his option. Um, you know, for 2024. And they didn't because he hadn't shown anything that looked like he should be a franchise quarterback. Every now and then, you know, players go out there and they have a good year. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield had a good year probably as a rookie, I think it was. He's having an okay year through two games right now. Um, you know, Geno Smith last year had a tremendous year. Um, you know, after 
just a very mediocre pedestrian, you know, career, now, a long career, um, you know, but basically just a backup level career. Players sometimes will have one good year and when leading into it hasn't been that good, you know, you should be at the best cautiously optimistic. They hadn't seen enough to even consider picking up an option. I don't know how after, you know, what you saw last year, you decided that, okay, this is the player now that you want to be committed to as your guy for the next two or three seasons. When you have the franchise tag at your disposal. Now, would people have been very critical of them for having to franchise tag him when they could have optioned him? Absolutely. I'm not going to say that would have been the case, but it's better um, probably to do that than doing a $40 million contract with 82 guaranteed. Um, you know, it's signing. Now, the, the one good thing for them is when you get into 2025, the guarantee itself doesn't kick in until 2025. It's only a partial. So, you know, they, they can get out of the deal in that year. But, you know, you're locked into him. So you need him to really improve. And they don't have good skill position players. Like they have some of the, in my mind, some of the worst skill position players in the league. And I know they have the receiver they drafted last year who he did dress last night. So he did play, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if he'll be any good or not. Um, you know, the other guys are just kind of guys, you know, it's his, it's like the Colts. It's like, it's not a good group of talent. Um, you know, when you look at who they're rolling out and I'm sure he's pressing a little bit to prove he can throw the ball more. Right now, his skill set is being able to get outside the pocket and run. And I don't know if he's really even doing that enough. And, you know, he, you know, when you talk about Purdy having a talented group of players here, I don't think that he has that at all. And you, you can say Darren Waller. Um, Darren Waller's had years where he's been good, years where, you know, he's been hurt. Um, you know, Barkley has been hurt a lot. You know, I don't, I don't know how effective Barkley is. And, you know, he's hurt right now. So, you know, you don't really have that talent around him. And you've got him at that high cost. And you're pretty much locked in for the next two years. But as a decision-making process, you know, it didn't make sense. It was very clear to me. And I, th I think I wrote this maybe in the, the free agent grade on him. Or certainly I would have talked about it before. And definitely I've had it on Twitter. And I know I mentioned to Brad last week because that's where I got the comments back on that. Um, you know, it was a decision that just felt like the Giants had two free agents and the front office was petrified at losing both of them. And once it was clear that they were not going to get a deal done with Saquon Barkley, it was as if they just said, okay, we're just going to roll over and give Daniel Jones whatever, as long as it's not like $50 million a year. Um, we're good with it as long as we're only guaranteeing two. You know, those two years, even though that's more than two tags, it'll give us some salary cap flexibility and it'll give us the leeway to tag Saquon Barkley and we'll have both of them back in the fold next year. And, you know, I, I don't know how you how you make decisions based on that. I'm sure they'll say that was not the, the way the process worked out, but you look at the timing of when that Jones contract came in. I mean, that's just what it feels like, um, you know, that it was get a contract done so we can tag another player. And I have a feeling 
if Barkley had taken the deal that was on the table for the Giants, um, or from the Giants, Daniel Jones would have been franchise tagged. They wouldn't have taken this deal. And when you look at the money involved, you would have been better off if you were the Giants in signing Barkley to the money maybe that he was looking for. If you were offering 12, offer him 15, um, you know, with whatever on the guaranteed scale, yeah, you'll you'll deal with goofballs like me that just rail on, you know, running backs don't matter, why are you doing this contract, blah, 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 blah. You're far better off guaranteeing him $32 million, um, or whatever that number would have been, and paying out that that kind of money over two years than guaranteeing $82 million and, you know, dealing with a $47 million cap charge next year for Daniel Jones. You know, sometimes those are the decisions you have to look at and go, okay, if we are so locked in that we are petrified of losing Barkley and free agency, you've just got to step to the plate and do a deal with Barkley, make sure it's only got two years of guarantees because it's just going to be so much smaller in scale than the Daniel Jones thing because when you do a deal with a running back, it's a mistake. All right. 95% of the time, the deal is a mistake. And if you do the Ezekiel Elliott level deal, it's a disaster. But if you're not doing the Ezekiel Elliott deal, if you're doing more of an Alvin Kamara kind of deal or something like that, it's not so atrocious that you're just destroyed from it. These numbers here have much more impact on the team than whatever the Barkley numbers would be. Now, again, I know from a cap standpoint, the Giants were in a little bit more of a bind, especially because they didn't redo Leonard Williams. But just from a a two-year perspective, um, you know, you're looking at $62 million in cap charges for Daniel Jones. You probably would have been looking at $30 million for Barkley. So you've got 62 plus, uh, what's Barkley this year? Barkley's 10. So you've got the 62 plus 10, so 72 million for three years of those two players is basically what you have. If you flip that script, um, you know, you, you probably would have had Barkley for, say, from a cap perspective, you know, probably something like 25 over two years, um, you know, with maybe 10 million dead in the third year. And you would have had Daniel Jones on the tag this year at 30 or 30 ish, um, you know, and then, then you just would have bailed. And, you know, that that's a far better scenario than 82 million guaranteed or, you know, however you want to look at it, um, you know, 62 million in cap charges, $22 million dead when you got to move on from them. And, you know, whatever the, the Barkley deal ends up being, um, even if you franchise tag him again, like, you know, you, you're, you're better play, you're more um, fiscally responsible play, you're smarter play, you're, you're less, far less risky play is to go in the other direction. 
And, you know, this is the thing that I bring up all the time with quarterbacks. Uh, you know, quarterbacks, because of the salaries, the dead money on quarterbacks has skyrocketed in recent years. Um, teams are too bullish. And I know it sounds crazy. You know, you talk about the Joe Burrow stuff and everything else. You know, we're too bullish sometimes on quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, um, when we do the extensions with them. Unless there is something on the horizon that looks like it's going to totally change the market. You know, Dak Prescott a couple of years ago was a player like that, um, simply because he made it to free agency. You know, unless you see that on the horizon, um, you know, and, and Dak benefited from the uh, uh, Watson and Mahomes kind of stuff. Uh, but unless you see that on the horizon, why are you rushing into your quarterback contracts? You don't need to. There's no reason to rush into a player like Daniel Jones. How much is the market going to change if you're Daniel Jones or if you're the Giants? So Jones signs in 2023. All right. At the time, your top quarterback in the league was at $49 million a year, I believe. I don't think Jalen Hurts got done before that. But, you know, so where did we where did we grow? 51, 52. 525 55. Um, how great would Daniel Jones have to play to get to $50 million? Let's say to, to get to Jalen Hurts' level. All right, Jalen Hurts made a Super Bowl last year. So Daniel Jones would have had to have made a Super Bowl to get to that $51 million mark. So, you know, you, you saved yourself, maybe if he could be that good, $11 million a year. Say you saved yourself that. Um, but you took on all this risk to where if he doesn't get there, you've basically got a $82 million bench warmer. Um, now I'm not saying he's got to ride the bench. But, you know, e even when you just look at this from a... Um, you know, a longer-term perspective, let, let's say they, they franchise tag them. What, what was the tag? 33? Yeah, 32, 4, 6. So let's say they franchise tag him to 33. And let's say he was great. And you're never going to complain if a quarterback is great. Oops. So let's say he does $55 million, but on a five-year deal. Your six-year cost on that player, you know, would have been about 51. And let's say that he just got to the Jalen Hurts level, which is 51. All these guys signed for five. 48 million would have been your average value. You're ready at 41. You know, and remember, you're at 41 on a four. So in theory... You know, it's that. And let's say you were going to extend him a second time. You know, your next, you know, at the very least, you would have been playing 60 in that front end. Oops, I got one too many zeros there, don't I? You know, so 
you're going to end up with your five-year cost, cash-wise, not cap-wise, probably about 45. So you save yourself all, what, $3 million? I mean, it, it just it just doesn't make sense when you start running through the numbers. The tag values for a quarterback are so low relative to the um, the salary that the player is going to earn and the guarantee the player is going to get. There's no reason for a team when you have a questionable quarterback. There's no reason for a team to do the Daniel Jones contract. There's just no reason to do that. You know, 81 full 104 injury. There's just, there's no reason. You have too many other options. So I think that's a total whiff by their front office. And it's not just them. You know, it, it's a whiff that many teams would make. Um, you know, now, in the whole, is the Daniel Jones contract horrific? No, it's not horrific. You know, 40 million is what it is. Um but it's not good. You know, it's just, it's not. Uh, Zach, what would a Tristan Wirfs extension look like? Um, you know, he, he's going to get, I'll just pull him up here. You know, he's probably going to get like 20 a year. You know. Um, he's got what, two year or one year left? 18 two years. He's got those voids in there. Um... You know, he, he's basically your top, you know, one of the, the top tackles. Um, you, know, you look on the, the right side, you know, you've got Taylor at 20. Got benched this past week. That's looking like a, a bad one. But, uh, you know, I, I would imagine that that's the, the range that he'll be in. Somewhere between 20 and... Um, Probably somewhere between 20 and 23, probably like 21 million a year. Um, I think that's where he will, uh, where he'll probably end up when it comes time. Uh, John, uh, will some of these season ending injuries accrue a season, such as Dobbins, Chubb, Aaron Rodgers, discuss their payments, and if they'll be able to hit free agency next year when the contract was scheduled to be told, such as Dobbins? Um, what was Dobbins' situation? None of the other guys told. Dobbins is on IR. Um, what is he on? Let, let me just see what list he's on. He's just on IR. So, when a player is on injured reserve, they're, they get an accrued season towards free agency. And, um, you know, they nothing... Nothing tolls over, so not, none of these guys are going to have a a, um, a year added onto their their contracts. Uh, as for payments, you know, all these guys should earn their full salary. I don't think any of them have per game bonuses in there, so the, they'll get paid as if they were on um, on the team. Uh, Evans, Shaq Barrett's base salary is now one point two in twenty twenty four. Did the Bucks move some money around in his contract and? Uh, is it a sign they'll cut him in 2024? So, yes, they did. Uh, Tampa Bay, I probably should make more. You know, if you guys want me to, uh, just let me know. Twitter comments, YouTube comments, or email or whatever. Um, if you want me to, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll update contracts if we get something on them. 
Um, I won't make a big deal out of it. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I don't, I've never felt that the concept and every now and then, you know, we do get some stuff that we quote unquote break. Um, that's not really been the stuff that we do. Uh, the, the basics of OTC has always kind of been information based, data based, education based. Um, I will always say, and I know it's a little little bit of the uh, pat on the back. I mentioned the wrestling, so if you, you're Barry Horowitz fan, you know the old Barry Horowitz pat on the back. Um, you know, I will say that I do feel like the the discussions on contracts and the um, you know the understanding of the salary cap and the rules. I do feel like a lot of that has really been based on a lot of the stuff we've done. Um, you know, at, o, at OTC. Uh, I, I really do feel that, um, you know, that's been a, uh, a pretty cool thing, um, you know, that we've been able to pull out, but yeah, what they, what they did with Barrett here was they, they did what you see the Browns doing, um, with their contracts, the Eagles doing, they basically added a option bonus that is for the amount of his base salary in 2024. So what this does is this will give them the ability to, um, June one them. Uh, at a lower cost than where his cap number was before at like 27 million or something like that. Trade him if there's an ability to trade uh, or obviously bring that cap number way down if they want to keep him on the team. So it, it does give them options, but if they, they were to cut as a post-June 1, um, you know, he'd be 9267. I don't think they would count this in there. I, I I always get mixed up with the the way the the league treats these uh, option bonuses that don't get exercised, and then you cut the player. Um, so it might be a little higher, in which case you would get a credit the next year. But you know, prior to this, his um, you know his his salary cap number was probably like twenty five million or something. So you know it it, it clearly lowers the number um, you know significantly there and. It gives the Buccaneers much more leeway with what they can do. Daniel, should the Bengals risk Burrow this week and beyond? How desperate should they be to salvage this year? They shouldn't be desperate at all. Look, the the Bengals, in my mind, have exceeded expectations the last two years. Um, will they go through some changes with the, the team and the roster in the next year or two? Yeah. And I think what Kansas City showed last year and Kansas City won the Super Bowl, taking that step back to... to kind of set yourself up to take a step forward um, is a good thing. And if you are um, a team that really believes in your quarterback, and obviously if you paid $55 million to your guy, you definitely believe in your quarterback, um, he can carry you through those those periods where you know things might be bad. Um, Burrow has not played well this year. And I know he played better in the second half, and I think... I can't say that's why he got hurt, um, why he kind of tweaked his calf again. Though, do the Bengals even have a backup right now? Um, any event, that's their fault if they don't. Uh, my opinion, on, and this is a totally uneducated opinion, but my guess is he's probably been favoring that calf in the first two games because Burrow is not a bad quarterback. I don't think Burrow is a great quarterback. Um, I know that's probably going to upset Cincinnati fans. I think Burrow's a very good quarterback. 
Uh, I think he's another quarterback that's in a pretty good situation. He's got a lot of good players around him. Not to the level of like a Purdy. You know, it's not like, well, Burrow has no... I don't want to say Purdy has no role in San Francisco, but it's not like Burrow's not doing anything. Um, but I, I do think he benefits from some of the skill position players they have, some of the some of the players they have on the team. Um, I have a feeling he was probably protecting that calf more, and maybe after how bad things were going, um, maybe he he tried to go all out a little bit more. Um, that's one of the negatives sometimes when you sign a contract, you, you get into this position where it's like, I got to prove that I'm not just like dogging it out there because I got all this money now. Um, you know, and I, I kind of feel like that played a role and that he probably went a little bit more all out, probably shouldn't have, and maybe tweaked his calf. So I, I think if you're the Bengals, look, if you have a bad year this year, is it awful? Um, you know, I, I know the Bengals have the reputation of being cheap. I'm sure they'll be very aggravated if they're not. You've made this gigantic investment in this player. This player is your future. Whether you want to talk about whether he is the, the level of that Mahomes and Allen. I know some people don't like to put Allen on that level, but whether you are that whether you're one level below or level and a half below, you know, where, wherever that that level might be, it's still better than most teams in the NFL. And that's your long-term. Your long-term is not going to be carried by Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and um, you know a couple of free agent signings on your defense. Your long-term is your quarterback and your coach for any team that there is. You don't want to get into a situation where you take a injury and turn it into something that could be chronic. Um, now, I don't know if that kind of injury becomes chronic or not, uh, at least at that kind of age. But, you know, I, I would just, I would be way more cautious and I would want to make sure that Burrow is good to go, um, you know, versus throwing him out there and risking any kind of injury. Hey, man, sounds like an absurd question. There's no, well, there, there are some absurd questions. This one is not, I'm sure. Uh, but if you were Robert Kraft with the Pats having the most cap space next year, would you trust Belichick with it or try to force him out gracefully and start again? I actually think that's a very good question. Um, I do think at some point you have to start to look at Belichick and start to say, well, has the game... I can't say passed him by because it clearly hasn't, um, you know, from a defensive standpoint. I mean, he's, he still gets a lot out of these guys. Um, I just think it's a, it's a, look, Belichick has not always been great with the free agent dollars. That that's, that's been the case for a long time. Has he had some guys that have hit, yeah, but, you know, you, you look back at some of those teams that didn't win. There were some questionable decisions. Uh, they carried probably more dead money than they needed to. And some of that was because, you know, while he was 
probably right in I don't want to pay the, you know, Richard Seymour to stay here. Um, you know, those kind of players. You know, everybody was expendable, right? Richard Seymour, Dion Branch, whomever, Wes Welker. Um, you know, everybody's expendable. But he would also bring in guys that he thought were bargains, you know, your Chad Johnsons and your Sean Ellis's and, you know, he big deal for Delis Thomas and, um, you know, Bill the GM has never been nearly as good as Bill the coach. And Bill the GM has probably hurt Bill the coach more than he wants to admit. And when you look at what they did the last time they had money with that, God, Judon worked out so well. But the Janu Smith, I mean, it was just, what when you looked at the process of what they did with everything outside of Judon, it was bad. You know, it was just, I, I want these guys, call up Rosenhaus, what do you want? All right, there you go, you, you can have it. Like, it, it was just, terrible um from an offensive standpoint i think he's way behind a lot of what a lot of teams do um he's very loyal to the guys that he's he's got on his staff that don't piss him off and i think what you saw last year where he was just giving guys whatever titles probably to help them collect their money um I mean that that's absolutely fantastic as an individual, but when you, you're talking about running a football program, probably not so good. Um, you know, so I don't know. You know, I I I do think. Look, I for as much as I'll, I'll complain about the Patriots, I would not want to see Belichick go out on a a year where they finish with like four or five wins. Um, you know, I, I'd much rather see him. Oh, it sounds crazy. I, I'd much rather see him have a winning year, go out in the playoffs in like a wild card round, and come out and say, you know, all right, I'm gonna retire. Like it's, I've had a long NFL career. It's time for me to take a break. Um, you know, it's time for me to move on and you know, spend time with I don't know, just got a new girlfriend or whatever. Um, I'd rather kind of see that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think if I was the owner of that team, I, I, I kind of feel like with a lot of the stuff that's gone on there, uh, free agency, even some of the some of the draft picks at the top. And, you know, he does a very good job with some of those lower level draft guys. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I can see a realistic reason why if you were the owner, you would say it's time to make a change i i could kind of see that as a uh possibility but uh yeah i think that's a good question but uh you know i do think it's it is also kind of amazing when you go back and you look and you look at some of these legendary head coaches how some are so different right you know belichick's got all this time in new england um, you know, Tom Landry with Dallas all those years, the Pittsburgh Steelers with all the guys that were there forever. And then you look at guys like a Bill Parcells, they would just get antsy. Like, as soon as something would kind of go a little sideways, 
It's like, eh, I'd rather just go to a different team. Um, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see, um, you know, guys that kind of are there for the long term, you know, Pete Carroll and, uh, you know, Seattle. And then you look at other guys that have just, you know, kind of bounced around a little bit and, you know, want to take on different challenges and try to do things a little differently. Um, it is very interesting. But uh, I, I do think the, the Belichick um, eventual divorce from um, the Patriots will be a pretty interesting one. Evans, there are four running backs with 2024 cap hits over 10 million right now. How many of them do you think will be cut versus cap restructured? Uh, let's see who those players are. Um, running back. 2024. All right. Uh, Kamara. Well. My initial feeling is Kamara is going to be cut unless there's some kind of salary cap reason why he can't be, which is always possible with the Saints. Uh, I think Aaron Jones would be cut, but I thought Aaron Jones would have been cut this year, so I can't say for certain. Nick Chubb will probably definitely be cut. Uh, gruesome injury. Um, you know, just terrible. You, know, you feel bad. Uh, you know, and that... You, you saw all the stuff come out after the game... Um, or during the game about that injury and people saying about how, you know, this is why I don't pay running backs, which is just such a crass comment to make during that kind of injury. Um, where people bring that point up. I get after the game where, where you bring it up. And I saw a lot of like, uh, was it Foxworth? One of the NFL guys, and I, I don't remember. I, I don't remember which one it was. That, that I'm just thinking it could have been him, but it might not have been. Uh, but you know, one of the guys that works in the media now, uh, former NFL kind of players, even said, "Man, you know, I'm I'm looking at this, and it's like both guys make a great point. Like, you know, this is why if you're running back, you want the bag because you want those guarantees now because of stuff like this, and." Then you look at it from the ownership side and you go, well, yeah, this is the injury that happens. And, um, you know, they're right too. And in a sense, that, that that is kind of accurate. But I don't think that's the case with this one. Where you look at where Nick Chubb is in his contract, um, he's not at a point where future injury protection would have made a big deal. Um He's not at a point where prior earnings would have made this injury somehow much better. So I don't think he's the right player to be doing that with, but I think he'll be cut and he'll probably earn his uh, injury protection money. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's a business. I mean, the, the Browns could do something to try to, to keep him around, keep him, pay him, and, you know, try to have the feel-good story of having him come back. Um, take the emotion out of it. Probably you move on. Uh, McCaffrey, I would guess he'll be back probably at the same number. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the restructure. Uh, you know, Kamara Jones, I can guess they could be restructured. Chubb would be totally renegotiated. Um, you know, if he were to, uh, you know, to be back. Tom. Uh, what would Duggar and Wanu extensions look like? Um, man, I haven't really looked at that at all. Um, whoops. 
I, I haven't really looked at it to, uh, you know, either of these guys to, to really say one way or the other. So th- this is one of those where I would say, um, you know, let's talk about it again in uh, a month or two. At that point, I start to, to kind of go get more into free agency mode, um, you know, and then, you know, probably can give a better answer because otherwise just glancing at it, I'm not going to give you anything valuable there. Freddie, what do the 49ers do with the cap that's so different than other teams? Um, so, you know, from a perspective of how they, they build their contracts out, I mean, a lot of per game bonuses, a lot of times in their deals, workout bonus kind of stuff. Um, you know, they might guarantee some of that stuff, which is nonsensical. I mean, guaranteeing a per game bonus is not really a guarantee, but they do it. Um, other than that, I don't think they do anything like too outlandish. Um, you know, like the Eagles and the Browns are very creative. The 49ers are just smart. Um, Parag does a great job. Brian Hampton does a good job. The they're a very smart organization. Um, they will take information from anywhere to try and apply it to something. Um, they're very... I'm trying to think of the right word. Creative is not the right word. Um, I don't really know what the word is that I want to... They're certainly very analytical with the way they approach their, their stuff. Um I think Lynch sometimes overrules some of the some of the salary cap decisions that come in there, um, but I, I think they're they're just they're just smart overall. Um, you know, creating that cap room to get to forty two million dollars or whatever the number is this year. Um, is it forty two? Let me just bring it up. See where they're at. Yeah, forty yeah, about forty-two to help them already offset what's a bad salary cap situation next year and basically double dip into that restructure pool. And I know there's people that still disagree with me when I'm saying that uh, you know um they created all this cap room to just carry over to next year. It's just smart salary cap management. So, you know, they're very smart. Um they don't operate the way many teams do on a one-year window. Uh, I think they operate with a two- to three-year uh, kind of framework in mind. Um, you know, have it have teams like the Eagles and the Browns probably pass them by and trying to be, excuse me, creative? Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know, I, I still look at them as one of the, the top front offices in the NFL. I, I just think that... Uh, Lynch sometimes probably gets probably gets involved a little too much in that aspect of it with certain players, and um, you know that that kind of throws some things off. But um, you know, a, as far as smart front offices go, um, you know they're 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 up there. Let's see, Eddie, uh, with Chandler Jones going off the rails and making some serious accusations about the Raiders run off his staff and Mark Davis, can the Raiders annul his contract in any way or cut him and pull some of his salary back? Um, I don't know. I, I don't believe so. Um, so, you know, th- th- this is an example of a just a terrible contract um, that they did. You know, it was older player. Um, 
this was very old school Raiders. I don't know why they did it. Uh, so, you know, he's got a one one six five base. He's on NFI right now. They can withhold payments on that. Um, I don't even remember. Did they convert that roster bonus? Or was that a partial conversion? They, they, they did a conversion at some point. It was probably partial. Um, so, you know, you can go after um, this bonus money. You can go after these roster bonuses as a on a prorated level. Um, you know, you, you would divide this by five years or whatever the term is remaining on the deal. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five years, right? Um, because those void years count as years. Um, in theory, you can go after that stuff on the, under forfeiture provisions. Um, they, I don't think they will. And the the only reason I say they won't is they seem to make it have made it abundantly clear that they are um, while putting him on an NFI. How, how did they phrase it? Basically, they, it was like you know he's dealing with a personal matter and we support him. I almost feel like when you put that out, you're not going to go crazy with the forfeiture. You you might hold back on the salary, um, but I don't think you're going to look to recover this money, this three six seven, which would be, you know, obviously, was he active the first game? Maybe. Um, even if not, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it probably isn't going to be enough for you to go after because it's based on the years so it would be like issues for this year this year this year this year um you know unless there is something in his roster bonus which is possible um that basically voids that roster bonus um <clears throat> you know if he doesn't show up to practice uh but you know question is is it an excused absence unexcused he claims he was locked out of the facility and i know he said some other stuff about uh what was it the other day that he put out there um you know maybe they like adopted child and then he was saying about you know mark davis doesn't know this that and the other thing i i, I don't really know um you know what whatever the stuff is that's there even if they go after it, I'm sure it's going to end up in a grievance and then who knows where that'll go. Brian, I'm ready to fully back the Dan Quinn redemption tour for him to get another head coaching crack. Uh, we see the victim of an overaggressive owner from 2018 onward. We're just getting fooled by another loaded defense. Just happens to be called by Quinn. Uh, I could definitely situate see a situation where Dan Quinn ends up one of these guys who is just a great defensive coordinator, not a great head coach. Obviously, he's got very good talent right now that he's working with. Um, I would have no problems with giving Dan Quinn another shot as a head coach. Um, I am very much of the theory that guys learn from their first head coaching experience and can come back as a better head coach. Um, maybe if there's someone that is a real mess, like a Matt Patricia, maybe that's hard to kind of come back from um but i would be perfectly fine if dan quinn ended up as the head coach um you know team that i root for um again i'd be cautiously optimistic you know i, I think you you're always going to worry um with some of the stuff you know that there there were things that he did before that 
you know, you probably look at and say, yeah, you know, may, maybe not the best of decisions or, you know, not the, the most analytically minded or, um, you know, whatever. But uh, no, I, I'd certainly be in favor of him, um, you know, getting another shot at it. But, you know, he could end up just being one of those guys that ends up, you know, as a great coordinator, um, not a great head coach. But, you know, you, you wait to, uh, you know, you wait to see how that works out. Let's see. Last set of questions here. Landon, <laughs> you can see it if that's on the screen. Uh, something about an ugly girl, and uh, obviously we're we're not going there. Um, LL, if the Cardinals traded Kyler, what would the money implications be for the team that acquires him? Um, all right, let's check out Kyler Murray. Basically, it's going to be whatever you see minus the prorated charges. Um, so I don't think he'll get traded this year. So if you look at 2024, um, 37.85 million, um, with 35 guaranteed, um, actually that's probably going to be earned. How is that not all guaranteed right now? I, I might have something a little off on that. Um, you know, the next year would be about, uh, 29.9 and, you know, his salary the following year, which is 36.8 would be fully guaranteed. So from a salary standpoint, um, it's actually pretty low. So you, you're really just looking at the cash due 38, 8, 5, 32, 6, 7, um, 38, 32, 42, 36, 40, you know, what would your average be on that? Like 40? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to run those numbers. Um, probably around 40, probably right around 40 a year. That's probably okay to take a risk. You know, the, the negative is that you, you've always got this rolling guarantee. So, you know, he's on your team next year. It means his salary is guaranteed in 25. He's on your sal your team in 25. His salary in 26 is guaranteed. He's on your team in 26. Salary in 27 is guaranteed. So that's kind of the difficulty with that deal is it's probably about $40 million a year. But you're going to be committed to them for about four years, um, you know, unless you really want to, you know, take it on the chin uh, with the salary cap and having to cut him a check for like $30 million or whatever his salary is in those uh, yeah, back end years, you know, $40 million, $32 million. So, you know, that that's that's kind of the decision that you have to make if you are looking into that as a trade. But just as a pure value, um, you know, it brings him down to, you know, that Daniel Jones level. Um, and I think he's a better player than that if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, and that that's going to be a big if. Matt in St. Pete, for my Detroit Lions, what would the Goff extension look like? I don't know. Um, oh, gosh. Uh... Wait to see what Kirk Cousins lines for. Um, 
I'm assuming you can work off of that and kind of come up with numbers based on that. Um, you know, on the market right now, I, I would think mid-30s. I, I don't think, you know, I think Stafford going for, was it 40? What's Stafford at? I think Stafford's at 40 and change. Stafford's at 40. You know, Goff's going to come in under that, barring a, uh, you know, a Super Bowl win. Goff is how old? Is he 30 yet? You know, Stafford's young, um, you know, given how long he's been in the league. He's 29... You know, he'll be 30, 35 a year. You know, I, I, I would guess that's probably around the range. Um, 35, 36, something like that. But I, I wouldn't, I don't know. It, you'd wait to see how the season plays out. But, uh, I'd much rather get a younger guy. Uh, Mark, do you think the Chiefs would have space in 24 to lock up Jones... Two, three-year deal, plus extend their eligible young players. Um, look, you, you can always create cap room. Um, where are the Chiefs in 24? 36. Um, yeah, when that number will bump up a little bit. Yeah, they, they have the room to do it. Um I don't think the chief. I I don't think Jones as an extension makes sense for them, and I I think. I think when you they offered him that extension this year and he turned it down, I have a feeling that means that's off the table, and maybe they tag him, maybe they don't. Um, I don't know. I I I don't feel like he's in the long term for them. I don't think he should be. Uh, Reese, hey Kim. How are you? Uh, no question, just a request. Please keep posting contract comparisons for games. They're fantastic. I hope you are doing well. One of these days, I got to uh, pull up your uh, stuff. I got to text you again. I uh, hope you're doing pretty well. But I, I always like to see when you uh, send questions over. Proud Black Matt, when is it realistic for the Giants to cut Daniel Jones? Um, not next year, year after that. Player to be named later. Can the Jets feasibly bring in someone like Kirk Cousins? Yes, they can. Uh, first, I didn't think so. I, I looked at that. Somebody asked me that question last week. Um, definitely they could. I don't think Minnesota would be interested in doing it. Um, but yeah, they, 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 can, they can fit him in. Uh, Jake, is one pursuing a master's degree in analytics, how do I get connected to people in front office jobs? Oh, gosh. Um... I'm so bad at even returning emails that people send me on these kind of questions. Uh, so the best thing that you can do is just reach out. You know, not not even getting into the, the whole, like, get your stuff online and all that kind of stuff. Um, the best thing that you can do is probably reach out. Use something like LinkedIn um, to find people. What you will find if you if you can go to and it, I already know my schedule says no to the combine this year. I'm hoping to do my contract competition this year. I missed it last year. That broke my streak. Um, but I know unfortunately I can't do the combine again this year. Uh, if you can go to the combine, 
Um, people that work, unless they have an incredibly busy schedule because they have a bunch of free agents and other stuff going on, um, and there there are a couple of guys that do that. Uh, a lot of the people in the NFL are, I, I have to say this, they are really, really nice guys and girls, women, um, that work in the league and work in football administration and are more than willing to, um, you know, help somebody out. Uh, they are really, really good with that kind of stuff. Um, the LinkedIn is probably the best way to, to get with somebody, you know, just try to connect with someone. Um, I don't follow up on my own stuff enough. I get stuff all the time that people are looking to connect and eventually I'll just go in there one day and I'll, I'll just connect with a couple people. I don't even keep an active resume on there anymore. It's just the name. But, um, you know, like to me, that that's your best opportunity to probably connect with someone unless you're going to a... Um, uh, Unless your school is in some way, shape, or form, um, you know, connected to something, you know, football-related, uh, you know, to, to where you'd be meeting people, I, you know, LinkedIn is probably your, your best opportunity. You know, you look for people in football administration, uh, excuse me. Uh, look for people in analytics. If you're really doing like analytics, analytics, um, you know, look at stuff like the uh, the data bowl that they do. Um, you know, look for things like that. Try to come up with an entry. Um, you know, that's one of the ways that you can do it. Obviously, publishing stuff is always helpful. But you know, I, I understand that stuff just gets completely lost. Uh, you know, we we have a not a giant footprint, but we have a decent sized footprint when it comes to NFL stuff and. You know, there's things I write every now and then. You know, I, I always find it amusing. You know, I'll put something out that's like a, a throwaway article when I have time, and you'll get like a general manager that emails you about something. It's like, what? Where 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 did that come from? Um, you know, with, when that stuff happens, uh, and then you'll have other stuff that nobody notices whatsoever. But uh, you know, I, I I'd say LinkedIn is probably your best bet or the datable kind of stuff to you know, get in front of people. And then if you want to actually meet with someone, I mean, you might be able to do a phone call with somebody, but otherwise, if you want to meet with somebody, the combine is probably your best bet to, uh, you know, be able to meet with somebody in person. It might just be for five minutes, but, uh, you know, I, I've always found that uh, people are really good with that kind of stuff. Smurf Big Cat, do you like Fortnite? I don't play Fortnite at all. I am too old to play anything that's uh, in those games. I hate the fact that my son plays it all the time. Um, he hasn't played it as much since football season started with, uh, um, you know, with his regular practices and stuff, His and school. Um, you know, his Fortnite playing has gone down. Um, but it always interrupts me when I, I try to do these... Um, you know, podcasts, uh, you know, too many times I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do a podcast. And then it's like, well, I'm going to play Fortnite. It's like, I'm on the same area. Like I, I don't use that same computer, 
but uh, I this is the easiest spot for me to record stuff. Like my my other area where I can record stuff, um, you know, usually my wife is doing something around there, watching TV or something like that. So I know that's just gonna get in the way. So it's like, uh, you know, this is my little uh, recording zone, and uh, Fortnite gets in the way of that. Damon J. Uh, what's a pass rusher market looking like in free agency? Uh, Edge, let's see. Who's available this year? Hunter, um, you know, we'll see how he's going to be. Is it Arius Smith? I mean, they're older. Ngakwe had no market this year. You know, Carl Lawson's probably not going to have much of a market. Um, you know, Chase Young is an interesting name. Um, you know, he's had a very Jadavion Clowney-ish kind of career, but at least he hasn't gone and flopped with another team. Um, so, you know, he'll be an interesting one. Um, Allen, you know, he's a, he's been pretty good. Um, Brian Burns, a free agent. Um, you know, he, he's an interesting one as well. You know, they... I think the problem is is that you have you know Sweat and uh, Washington. So there, there, there's a couple of players. I'm, I'm just looking here that are decent. So you got Hunter, Burns, Allen, Sweat. Um, a couple of veteran guys. Um, you know, I, I think I think the difficulty is that you know some of the players are probably going to overvalue themselves. And, you know, that, that can throw some, you know, kind of monkey wrench stuff into, um, you know, in, into expectations when it comes to free agency. Um, but, you know, th there's a couple of players I'm just looking at here, uh, you know, at face value that are, you know, decent players, um, you know, who could go for something. You know, a guy like a Chase Young might end up being someone who has to take like a, uh, you know, one year kind of prove it deal um you know that kind of stuff um uh, you know that that's a possibility let me pull up voids yeah there we go there's hunter i don't know why he i couldn't figure out why he disappeared there um you know so it, see if any of these guys get extended I think at this point, it doesn't make sense for the Panthers to extend Burns. I don't understand why they turned down that trade last year. It made no sense at all. Um, you know, but they, they, there's definitely some guys here that can play. Um, there's a couple of guys. I think this is a better group than usual. And there's some decent veterans, but, you know, the, the veterans kind of come and go. I, I think a lot of times with, um, you know, what what happens in free agency, I think a lot of those veteran players kind of fall to that second level where, you know, they, they just kind of wait until, um, you know, things kind of uh, settle down with uh, the draft and everything else before they end up getting signed. All right, let's see here. Got to get our last beer of the evening. Can you uh, do a deep dive into the Chargers cap situation in 2024, how they can create cap space? Um, I don't know about a deep dive, but let's look at the Chargers. They're about $40 million over 
when you you get into um, you know just getting up to fifty one players. Um, you know, I, I thought the Chargers made a big mistake this year in bringing back a lot of these older players, like a Cleo Mack, who really just hasn't been very good. Um, you know, even Keenan Allen, and I know Keenan Allen can still play, uh, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen with injuries and stuff. Um, let's go to 24. So, I mean, Mack is the obvious cut. That gets you to $7 million over. Um I think Jackson, probably more of a June 1. Oh, is his salary? Hold on, let me let me look up Jackson. Is his salary guaranteed next year? Man, what a shitty deal. No, it's not. Okay. So it's 15 dead? Something seems wrong on that. Let me see. Jackson. Um, let's say they just did him as a regular cut rather than a June 1. Did I get you to about 3 over? Now you're going to be at 51, so you're going to be about 10 over. You know, Joey Bosa is going to be interesting because he's hurt a lot. Um, you know, he's missing games. You know, natural thing would be restructure. You'd gain about $10 million on that. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm just giving you some thoughts. You know, Mike Williams is probably a player you're going to have to extend. You're probably going to cut Keenan Allen. Um, you know, you cut Keenan Allen and get you to 30. Uh, again, you know, 51 players. You're probably 23 in the positive at that point. So you're cutting J.C. Jackson. You're cutting Khalil Mack. You're cutting Keenan, uh, Keenan Allen. Really, Mack and Keenan Allen could have been cut this year. You're probably going to have to make a decision on Mike Williams, whether you want to extend or not. 32-4 um, as a cap hit to me is nonsensical. Um, even $20 million as a salary is probably nonsensical. Um, Corey Lindsley, I mean, he's 33. I mean, I, I just look at this as a roster. You're just going to slice, um, you know, and cut apart. Um, you know, now that the, those moves there where I'm cutting all these top guys, you know, get you to about $50 million in cap space once you take the effective numbers into it. Um, you know, do they want to go that far? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, Jackson, you were locked into, right? His salary was guaranteed this year. Was Lindsley have any guaranteed salary? Um, no. No, I mean, it's like, you just look at this. I, I just don't get it. I understand you're trying to make the most out of, you know, the these couple of years that you have with Herbert where he's still cheap, at least on the cap. I know he's got the, the numbers that have gone up, but it's like, all right, J.C. Jackson, he gave, he gave it a shot. didn't work out. You were stuck with him for this year. You know, Mac is 33 years old, um, you know, has certainly tailed off from his peak years. And, you know, you saw that last year and the numbers were so high. It's like, why are you going there again? I, it, that To me, that's a chasing of a sunk cost. 
Um, Mike Williams absolutely should be there this year. You know, next year I think it's iffy. You know, Lindsay's 33 years old. You know, it's iffy. Keenan Allen, 32. I, you know, it's, um, you know, next year it'll be 32, I should say. Um, you know, it's it's iffy. You know, why you're bringing someone like that back? Um, you know, when, when their numbers are so high this year. You know, you, you sometimes have to take a look at the bigger picture. And I know you try to extend this, um, you know, rookie window with the quarterback. But, you know, Eric Hendricks, like, he doesn't belong there. Like, you you want to, when you've got the young quarterback, even even when it's the quarterback on the extension, but you, you feel like you've got his cap numbers massaged enough to where you can still kind of throw guys out there for another year or two you want to have a system where you've still even when it's players you're signing they're younger players you don't want to have players that are you know 32 33 34 um you know playing you know you you want to have lower cost guys i think that's just kind of a myth uh, a miss on the chargers um but I, I think next year you have to go into it and say, regardless of how the year finishes, um, you know, I, I put out a thing the other day. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. You know, just of the, the teams that were starting 0-2 and, you know, how deep they are into this year. You know, the Chargers are basically at the top. Um, you know, spending about $2 million more than average uh, this year. They rank 17th in the league. Um, then their 2024 cap rank is 31st, that they're 74 million worse. Doesn't mean 74 million over the cap, but 74 million worse than the average NFL team. So they're 74 million worse than uh, in cap position than the average NFL team. That's gigantic. You know, Broncos are about 55 worse than everybody else even if they're 0-2, is in a much better position than, um, you know, these guys are. So, you know, you look at this stuff and, you know, they're clearly all in on this year. And it's like, well, if you're not winning, like, what was the purpose of it? So, I I don't know. I I think they are... um, I don't know. I, I think they bought into this roster too much, and you know they're, they're going to have some uh, some big decisions to make. All right, I think this is the last question. Uh, I'll do one more check since I saw some notifications pop up. Maybe just not in this, but probably more likely just random notifications. Uh, Mason, with regard to restructures of contracts in their final year, I've heard you can do it if there's already a void year before you get to the final year. How does that work, and what are the restrictions? Does that also apply to players in the tag? Um, So, you can restructure a player whenever. So, um, you know, even if they're in their final year, you can restructure that contract and just throw four void years in there, uh, even if they're not already in it, and prorate that money over five years. So, you know, you can do that with anybody. Um... You know, the, the only limitation on that is if it's a franchise player, like, for example, Barkley with the Giants, come July 15th, you can't throw void years in there to, um, 
you know, bring down the salary cap costs this year. Um, but that that's basically how that would uh, how that would work. Um, when it comes to players on the tag, you know, if the player signs the tag and it's before July fifteenth, yeah, you you can go in there and you can say, hey, look, um, for salary cap considerations, can we just pay you, um, you know, ninety percent of the contract as a signing bonus and you know, the rest is a P5 and add four void years and uh, prorate that signing bonus out. But after July 15th, you can't do that because a player that's a franchise can only sign a long-term extension, um, you know, uh, after, uh, before July 15th. Uh, let's see. Is there anything I missed? It's about Menendez. Um, yeah. So, you know, I replied to uh, Andrew. I, I, I enjoy following Andrew Yang. Um, I'm not sure so much about his forward party. I think that's kind of a... more of a gimmick than anything else. But, um, you know, it's a... Not to get too much into politics stuff, but, uh, you know, as a New Jersey person, I mean, Menendez has always been a very, very shady uh, character in politics. And, um, he (sighs) indicted for the second time. And, you know, you you get, you know, uh, Andrew Yang put out the comment about like, you know, how, um, what was it? Like how, uh, (sighs) basically how stupid do you have to be to be indicted once and basically get caught with, you know, gold, bricks you know in your jacket or in your home or something like that and it's like this is the problem that we face a lot of times when it comes to a lot of stuff with politics and i know what a lot of people believe about politics whether it's true or not in this case it's absolutely true that you know you have people that gain a lot of power politically and you basically insulate yourself from consequences and that's what's happened with him throughout the years. Um, you know, you have somebody who has been accused of many things, um, some of which were probably made up, uh, some of which were probably true, and was indicted once before, and very powerful politically. So the first time you go through this, you get a slap on the wrist. And you get everybody to support you. And, you know, you just figure, I'll just keep getting away with it. And that's what you do. And it's a, it's a, I don't know if sad is the right word, but, you know, it's a bad situation. So I was watching tonight, um, you know, a little bit with like uh, some of the stuff on MSNBC, maybe Joy Reid. And um, actually it probably wasn't Joy Reid. That I had on. Who was it? I don't even remember which host. Um, I know Medi has on was on, on for a middle a little bit. It wasn't wasn't him. Uh, but it was somebody, and they were like, "Well, you know, we we hold as Democrats, we hold people accountable." It's like, no, you didn't hold Menendez accountable for years. You're holding him accountable now because you have to hold him accountable because of what's going on with 
Trump and the Republican Party, that you you can't on one side say we support Menendez and then on the other side say, well, we don't support Trump. Um, but, you know, years ago, you, you know, you you basically backed him as a party. And, you know, it, it's just awful. It, it's just the it's just a bad thing when it comes to, um, you know, politically, it, it's just a bad thing that comes with politics um, where you get these guys that just become so powerful that, you know, they they feel like they can do whatever they want. And, you know, he clearly falls into that category. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more people than him. Um, but he has been blatant with it and, you know, was just defended no end because he had a lot of power. Um, Democrat would have kept that seat no matter what, I would think. Um, but he had so much power. It was like the first one came around and it was like, well, we'll give him a little slap on the wrist. Like, don't do it again. It's a little iffy. And, uh, you know, but yeah, we, we love you still. And, you know, to, to turn around now and you turn on him and go, you know, oh, uh, well, you know, the, now now it's right. It's like, no, it's just been wrong the whole time. And that goes for what whatever whatever party affiliation you're with. Um, you know, it, it falls in that same direction, you know, the, the same kind of thing. All right, let's see. What else do I got here? I got a Space Dust. That's a beer selection, I'm sure. Uh, relax. I don't know what that one's about. Let's see. Let's pull that up. <laughs> That's from that good question there. Uh, retweet. Some of those are reference. Oh, so let, let, let me just uh, mention this here because I get these a lot, and I, I know I'm not going to bring them up. Um, you know, I'll get a lot of these things where someone will write something, whether it's an article, a book, paper, something or other. Um, you know, and this was one from Dave here. Um, you know, so, you know, just a, uh, book that he wrote, um, you know, looking at different, you know, things with a uh, competitive edge and stuff that's, whether it's online or different formats or whatever, um, I always appreciate when I get this kind of stuff. I don't go online enough, unfortunately, to, uh, even retweet these things. I probably should retweet them now or repost them or it's called pre X them. Um, I always appreciate it. You know, that, that little pat on the back that I was giving myself for that kind of stuff. You know, th this is the kind of stuff that really makes doing the, uh, the OTC stuff, you know, worthwhile and fun is where, where you get these these kind of messages that come out where somebody thanks you for help doing a paper or help writing a book or, um, you know, just that, you know, you, you're putting some information out there that, uh, you know, is, you know, kind of helpful for, uh, for something football related. All right. So I think that does it for me. Um, I'm sure this is a long one. Uh, two hours and 46 minutes. So that's pretty good. Um, so we'll see. We're at, uh, about one thirty in the morning, um, right now on the East coast. So, uh, we're just about there. So I'll save this stuff just in case we end up losing power and everything else. Um, 
I should get this up before the games, but we'll see. I don't know how much people watch uh, before that. Um, so hopefully next week I'll be back once again. So if you have any beer selections, you can send them over. Um, this is probably the last of the pumpkins that I'll do. Um, probably the last, of the, the last of the dogfish head. This will be gone by next week. Uh, whatever I have here. So I got through the six today. I have another one floating around. That'll probably be gone by the next time I do this. Um, probably will move on to something else. There, there, there'll be, there'll still be some pumpkin beers that are out there, but I, I know that uh, kind of the stuff that I like, that stuff is more limited. I don't know if anything is limited edition anymore, but uh, it'll be limited in the amount that... Um, that I can seem to find. So if anyone has suggestions, IPAs or whatever, um, you can send them over. I know some people, um, at least one person was asking me about Oktoberfest beers. Not big into it. I'm not big into the German beers. I'll have one every now and then. Um, you know, something looks interesting. A lot of times, like I'll go to Epcot <laughs> when we, when we head down to Disney and I'll, uh, you know, grab a couple things there in their Germany country. Um, but a lot of times I'll end up bypassing a lot of those drinks. But uh, if anyone has any suggestions, anything that's available in New Jersey, Northwest Jersey is the uh, the main area. Um, feel free to uh, send it over and um, we'll try that out. And uh, one of these weeks we'll do a, a live session to do some uh, Q&A and we'll see if we get anyone to interact that way. But uh Hopefully you guys made it to the end of the podcast. If you did, congratulations. I'm amazed you made it this far. Um, and hopefully I will talk to you guys all again next week. And uh, you have a great week. And let's go Jets, right? So uh, everybody have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.